Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the What's That Noise podcast, a podcast where I sit down with a buddy of mine, or if I can't find one, I do it all by myself. Y'all know the deal by now. And we listen to any album by any given artist, genre, doesn't matter. And we just discuss how we feel about it. And today, if you're looking at the runtime, I know I say basically every week that it's a long one, but this really is a long-ass podcast today. It, uh... I think it's it's warranted though. This is a seminal album within, you know, the 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 metalcore rock music scene, whatever you want to call it. Like if, if you listen to metalcore, if you listen to this genre, if you were ever an emo kid, you know this fucking album. This is Homesick by A Day to Remember, and we we talked for over two hours about this album, man. It's a uh, it's a crazy one. I'm really fucking excited for you guys to hear this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did recording it. I I got it with my buddy, uh, or pardon me, I did it with my buddy Cameron, Cameron Brow. He's our rhythm guitarist in the band Remember Me When, and he's one of the sweetest dudes I know, and I was really excited to finally get him in and do this, and yeah, I think that we, he actually brought a lot of really interesting shit to the table, like, he was the most prepared guest I've ever had. He brought, like, in a couple articles, bro, like, he had everything ready to go, and it, it made for a really wonderful conversation about this album. It, it like it made me redefine how I thought about this album, and I hope it can do the same for you know you guys listening to it too. And I just want to say a quick thank you once again to anybody who's you know still listening and still making it all the way through these podcasts. Really do appreciate it. It's been awesome to see all the support from you guys, and yeah, I'm fucking excited. So without further a fucking do, let's get right into it today with Homesick by A Day to Remember with my buddy Cameron Brown. We'll be right back. So here we go. And we are back with our guest this week. It is my buddy Cameron Brown. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving this. Good. Very excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here too. We are discussing one of like one of the biggest albums within this scene today, uh, in Homesick by Data Remember. Yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, uh it's like you were saying, like it's been like bangers only on your show so far. So Well, thank you, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so how's your week been, dude? My week, oh man, I was. It's been a couple of weird weeks. I've been back and forth between Seattle, which I thought would have ended when I moved back here, you know, other than the occasional trip. But my dad retired, so I was at his retirement party, and then the week before that, I was at my brother's birthday party, and it was like a bunch of crap. So I've been like all over the place, and then working in between at the hospital. Oh, for sure. But yeah, I've been sort of like mildly preparing for this, just listening to the album and like, you know, looking a little research on it. For sure. Well, sick, dude. And I got to say, like, I've told you this already, but it's so dope to have you back in Spokane, man. Yeah, it I'm really s- is. I'm, I'm stoked. It, It's quieter. Yeah, I bet, man. Coming yeah. from Seattle, I got to imagine that anything's quieter. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, like, you know, everybody moves to Seattle. They're like, oh, I love the nature. That's why I want to be here because the mountains are nearby. And then the mountains are crowded. Yeah. But yeah, I've been mountain biking recently. That's my new thing. And it's so dope. And I'm going on a ride later tonight. Oh, hell yeah. It's going to be great. Well, and good. it's great biking out here because there's a place out in the valley mm-hmm. where you can watch birds and mountain bike. It's perfect for both. And I'm, I forgot that you bird that. watch. Dude, I, do, I watch so many birds. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes, dude. That's what I'm talking about. That's exciting. But yeah, dude, no, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm really stoked to have you in here this week. I'm stoked for this podcast. I've actually been looking forward to this one all week. Uh, 
personally, it's one of my favorites from this band in general, and just one of my favorites to come out of like what I would start to consider like the golden age of our scene. You know, like 2009, we had like this. We had Stand Up and Scream by Ask Alexandria came out. I think the first Blackboard Brides album came out. Like, there's just a bunch of shit in that year starting that just like really blew them out of the water. But I, I don't know if there's anything that came out that I would consider to be around that year anyway that I would consider to be bigger than this. Like, this album is huge. Like, it blew the band up, everything. Like, yeah, it's, I'm fucking excited to sit down and talk about this one. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I'm probably horribly underqualified to talk about this, but, oh, but you know, because I'm not the, the, I say I'm not the biggest ADTR fan, and it's only because I don't, I'm not so familiar with the band and yeah. the, all their, you know, discography that I could talk at length about it, but this particular album just holds a special place for me, even though it's only my recent history. Yeah. Course, so yeah, yeah I mean, no, I'm stoked on it, and I think that's pretty much. I would say a lot of people probably are the same way because this is the album that really put them on the map. You know what I mean? Like their albums in a before, huge way. huh? Yeah, huge fucking way. And yeah, this is at least in my understanding and from people that I've discussed with, like Homesick was the album that really everybody kind of started to know who a data remember was. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And it was the same for me, even though it was recent. Like I said, I mean, I have told you this already, but I didn't know about this album until 2019. Yeah. And I think it was on your recommendation that I downloaded it and started listening to it. And I was skating out at Judkins Skate Park in mm -hmm. Seattle um, one day. And I was just like coming from the skate park back to the bus stop. And I was listening to um, Downfall of Us All. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd like, I think I'd listened to the songs like in my headphones. Mm -hmm. And that guitar riff in the beginning with the little... Dun -dun -dun, and it, yeah. it just fucking hit me all weird. And I was yeah. like wait a minute this is hot i totally get it dude no that's it's, a whole moment that yeah reminded me of there's there's two specific times that this has happened to me where i discover something and then i realize that i failed to live an entire life in the past that i should have factual yeah it was that moment with a day to remember when i realized I, like i never heard of easy core mm -hmm. and then like when it opened up because my whole history was pop punk pretty much yeah. exclusively before this or like 90s all rock yeah and so that fusion which represents the historical place of this album which mm -hmm. is what that article was about that i sent you it's a complete breakdown of like how this morphed the entire scene of like pop punk into easy core by accident that yep. they invented kind of or rather like brought to the forefront you know, it happened with this and i was like where has this been all my life yeah. i was 18 in 2009 i should have been i was in the prime of my life to be enjoying <laughs> this music. But I was like on a Marilyn Manson kick. And then, um, and the other time was when I discovered alkaline trio in 2015. Yeah. And I was like making tofu spaghetti, which don't ask. And, <laughs> and I was just listening to this album called from here to infirmary by alkaline trio. And I was like, you're telling me that the whole time I was growing up from like 10 to 15, there was a band that is the perfect fusion between blink 182 and green day. And I never knew about him. <laughs> what the hell? So now I've spent the last like seven to eight years like trying to relive a life I never had. Yeah. By listening to Alkaline Trio. And it's yeah, this is the other time that it happened with this album. Homesick. I feel that man. Like with me too, I got into this scene pretty late in the game. Like I think the first time I heard this album, we discussed this a little bit earlier, but it was around 2015, I believe was the first time I actually sat down and listened to this. And it was the same thing with like all other types of music within this genre. And I just like. I was 
blown away once again that there was this music that like spoke so clearly to me that I just hadn't known existed for the longest fucking time. You know, it's such a special feeling to to find that. You know what I mean? Whatever it is for you, whether in your case, you know, you have Alkaline Trio or you have a date to remember for me, it's probably, you know, these guys are like Black Veil Brides. Like, but to find the music that like you've been looking for subconsciously your whole life feels good. Yeah. Well, you know? and it, and it's funny because like, you know, I say like, where was this when I was this age or whatever, but I remember specifically 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. I was listening to Marilyn Manson idolizing goth culture and then talking mad shit on scene and emo kids because they were <laughs> pussies you know like yeah. in my vocabulary at the time yeah. which is not something i would say today uh, except to quote myself um but but yeah i mean i that, that was where i was at at that time and so like only now yeah. you know being like 20 like not now but like when i was 25 was when i was like wait a minute i'm actually an emo kid yeah and then I was I'm like, one of them. oh, shit, man, I missed out on Get Scared. I missed out on, you know, you know, A Day to Remember, all these other things that I probably would have listened to if I was a little bit more open-minded at it's, the time, but I wasn't, yeah. so I never would have, but now it's... It's funny, dude, around the same time that that was happening to you, like, that was the same shit with me. I was in middle school at the time, and I was the exact same way, you know what I mean? I was the the kid at the time who listened to nothing but, like, I guess, like, what was on the radio. Like, I listened to fucking you know like eminem or like any sort of pop artist that was on the radio at that time my exposure to rock music was nothing past like lincoln park you know what i mean and so i was super i was that same way you know i was judgmental towards uh these you were in middle school yeah exactly and i was in high school and, and then nothing hit, nothing much changes there despite yeah. <laughs> what we would have liked to think yeah and then i hit high school dude and this all changed for me so yeah no i'm fucking excited to sit down and talk about this dude and i think this is going to be a really good conversation with you i'm hoping so yeah i think it will be so yeah, so the way that I usually like to start this one, right before we get into the track by track going through everything, is I like to ask two questions. The first one is, and it's funny, you actually kind of already answered this, but like, do you remember what you were doing? Because this is my favorite thing about music is like, whether it's a long drive and you're listening to something and it hits you for the first time, wherever you are, that's what I love so much about listening to new music for the first time. So I like to ask people, you know, what what were you doing the first time you heard this and it... uh it made you feel something, which you kind of already answered. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was it was that moment when I was out skating and I was just listening to it. Uh, I have a playlist in here called "Go Skate," mm-hmm. um, which is a mantra. You know, just like go fucking skate. It's a, it's kind of a reminder to just like go do a thing because these days, you know, you have access to everybody who's the best at everything, and you see it on the internet, and you're like, man, I should just give up because I'm not that good. But boy, I feel that doing things for the love of doing them is. I think more more important than ever to remember to do. So my playlist is called Go Skate, which is to remind me to, remind me to go skateboard even though I suck at it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I added a couple of songs from Homesick onto it and that was the moment. That was when I was waiting for the bus and I'm like, holy shit, this is so good. Uh, and then um, incidentally, the other of my favorite tracks from the album, another song about the weekend was... Oh, that's so good. I uh, love that, that song. That I think was actually... That one really hit me in my dome when I was like driving back and forth for band practice. Mm -hmm. And I was just listening to it and I was like, man, this is like, it's funny because appropriately Jeremy McKinnon said like that song is about life on the road and how like when you're home, you want to be on the road. And when you're on the road, you want to be home. And it's this addictive cycle. Um, And it was funny because, you know, at that time when I was doing you know, the back and forth when I lived in Seattle, mm-hmm. you know, I was coming back here every so often and it felt like life on the road in a way. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's only a four hour drive, but it's a way that's doing a lot, it, though. doing it up to, you know, a 
couple times a month, it's like, you know, it feels like just roading. No, of course. It's I can only so imagine crazy. that it does, you know? Like, yeah. I got to say, too. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, Cameron and I are in a band together. Uh, remember me when? And we, uh, yeah, for the longest time, the only way that we would get him here is when he would be able to come down here on a Greyhound bus from Seattle. And uh, yeah, I just remember, like, from our side, every time that we knew you were coming, it was so exciting. And like, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm flattered, but it, you, you just said on a Greyhound bus, and I, for some reason, because I now have a car having moved back here, mm -hmm. but I just realized. Yeah, I mean, I was riding the Greyhound every time I came back. Yep. And then somebody would like pick me up at the station. And then I think the one time that I was really jamming on another song about the weekend was when I was on the train. I decided to take the train once. Yeah. And it was so cool. I was like stoked on it. Such a smooth ride. Yeah. It takes longer. But still, though. yeah, I was just like, if you can wait for me. Ba -ba -ba -ba. And yeah. then, you know, I was just like chilling. I was on this train drinking Coca-Cola and just like with reckless abandon. That's so um, awesome. But yeah, it's like, yeah, there's all these memories connected to like the discovery of this album for me, even though it was so recent. Yeah, of course. It's funny how that works. You know what I mean? Like even in the, the way you were discussing it, right? Like where, like the idea of where was I when this came out, like I could have been enjoying this time back then. It's funny. Like, I don't know if it's the same way for you, but it is for me the way you're mentioning this where like, I'm always like, I listen to like, if I'm finding an older album like this, I'm like, you know, same thought where, where was this album when I was this age? You know what I mean? And I'm not comprehending the fact that I'm like, I'm making new memories with a new attachment to this at a current point. And it's only in hindsight that you realize, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, this album hit me exactly when I needed it to. Totally. You know? I, I was just talking to somebody uh, recently about being able to go on a journey that's so important to so many people for the mm -hmm. first time way after they did. So exactly. one example is the Harry Potter books. I started when I was like 10, mm -hmm. got through number four and then stopped. Mm-hmm or like got through the middle of number four and stopped. I only reread them and finished actually reading them mm -hmm. in 20, uh, 2019, I think. Wow. Maybe it was actually the same year. Or maybe it was 2018. I don't know. I think it was 2019 um, because I was going to go to Harry Potter World for my like 28th birthday or something. Oh, nice, For dude. my 28th birthday. And I was like, well, I can't just not read the books. And I had no idea just how much better the books were than the movies. Mm -hmm. So I went on that journey for the first time when I was 28. And yeah. so many people, you know, it's like, so many people have treasured memories of that experience and I got to do it for the first time with a full adult of like, course. appreciation of it. It was the same thing with World of Warcraft. My brother was into it from the beginning, but I just started playing in probably like 2021 mm -hmm. and it's been really cool to just like discover the whole world and be like, well, this is sick because like I don't really play video games that much. Yeah. And so it's like really magical for me. And I feel like you're talking about exactly the same thing with yeah. this album or anytime you discover music that was, you know, you know, life-changing, earth-shattering decades ago or a decade ago and you get to discover it with a brand new appreciation it's great i agree man it's i think the best way to say it is like there's it, it's never too late or you're never too old to experience something for the first time and really feel it you know yeah i think that's solid man the the second question that i want to ask you is um what what made you pick this album for this discussion that's my second question i like to ask people mm, that was a really good question honestly i think it's really just the fact that it it is a historically important album in this genre that has that bridge mm -hmm. between pop punk and metalcore that kind of became the easy core style um and the effect i think it's selfish it's the effect that it had on me like basically what we just talked about and you know just just trying to figure out 
what makes something so much more than the sum of its parts. Of course. Because I discovered this with Get Scared as well. When I look at their riffs, you know, because I'm a guitarist, you know, I kind of look at it usually from the perspective of the riffs and the vocal melodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to understand how something can be built off of such a simplistic structure and yet have such a heavy or a, a meaningful impact beyond the scope of what its component parts look like mm-hmm. has always been a f- source of fascination for me. It's like chess. Mm-hmm. You know, you can learn it in a day, but you can never master it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you hear a piece of music and you're like, for me, I'm like, I have to figure out why this is so good. So I try to pick it apart. But in doing that, all you discover is more mystery. Yeah, of course. Because you're like, well, it seems like the kind of thing that anybody could have come up with. Yep. And truly, that's what it is. But but only the right people at the right time with the right inspiration could have put it together the way it is. And I think that's what great art typically is. And it's kind of what I look for now and the things I really appreciate is that that simplicity that gives life to infinite complexity. Um, and so I really see that in this album. And really, if I'm honest, um, any album that's not heavily technique-based. Yeah. You know, as a guitarist, I you know used to strive when I was like 14, 15 to be Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days, you know, the equivalent of whatever, Tim Henson. Yeah. But anymore, I'm like, Bro, I just want to play some heavy, easy riffs that sound so good when yeah. they're put together, right? And there's something special about that. I agree. I think so too. Um, and I would say I don't believe it's something selfish. I think that's that's kind of the idea behind this entire podcast and why I wanted to do something with bringing people on and they come with their own albums, which I've done a pretty shit job. You are the second guest I think that has genuinely brought an album on that wasn't like <laughs> maybe hinted at towards by me. But like it's it's it was the idea of this podcast was to bring something in or bring people in and let them choose an album that means so much to them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I. I think that music at the end of the day, it's all about what it means to you. It's not about what it means to some guy sitting down and, you know, I guess in my shoes or in our shoes right now, it, 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 not somebody sitting down and reviewing it or not somebody telling, you know, which songs they liked and which songs they don't. What it really is at the end of the day is the feeling that the music gives you. That's the reason why mm-hmm. I got into this in the first place, why I want to make music is because I learned a lesson when I found this type of music. And that lesson was that music can do so much more for you than just you know it's, it's not just something to put on and ignore it's not or you know right. what i mean to have in the background it's you can sit and you can listen and you can work through your own things your own trauma your own past whatever it is through this through music and that's that's why i wanted to do something where i kind of put it all on the guest with like you know come on bring your album that you want to listen to and discuss and we'll discuss it you know so I wouldn't say selfish. I think that's that's right on the money for what this is. And well, I'm, great. I'm glad that you brought it in with such an honest, open, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? An honest, open sort of <laughs> hope. I don't know. I'm fucking terrible at this. Look, I'm speaking to one of the most intelligent men I know, and I'm trying so hard to keep up. But uh, yeah, people I guess... call me intelligent, but it's really the truth of being of of seeming intelligent is. You just only talk about the things you know about. Yeah. And when you, somebody's talking about something you have no idea about, you just nod knowingly. Yep. Exactly. It's all showmanship. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm glad that you brought this album. And I think, honestly, I think we've said everything to to preface this album that we can. So, yeah, we got to get into it. Yeah, I want to get right into this. Daylight man, so. is burning. No, daylight is burning. <laughs> so starting with the track by tracks, the way that this works, um, 
is, you know, we go through it, obviously, track by track. In this case, uh, we'll be going through the entire album and then the two acoustic tracks at the end. I was going to make us go through the live performance, but I felt like that just might be too much to throw. Um, so we're going to go through the entire album and then the two acoustic versions of Homesick and another song about the weekend. And we are going to rate them either, you know, we're going to discuss how we think of them, whatever, you know, so on and so forth. We'll rate them a hit, a mid, or a miss, adding any adjectives that you want to on there, you know. Sure. Uh, uh, a killer hit or a reluctant mid or an unfortunate miss. What happened? I don't even know if I can get that complex. Yeah, no, I... Uh, yes, you could. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, so we're starting right here at the beginning with perhaps, I mean, that's another thing about this album, dude. There's so many songs that are staples in our scene, and the first song on this album is one of the biggest. Everybody in this scene knows this song. It's the downfall of us all. Right. Right? What a fucking intro to this song, by the way. You know what I mean? Oh, Most I songs on an album... They'll start with some sort of instrumentation, whether it's post-production, whether it's, you know, the instruments themselves. You're starting this track with gang vocals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Following the the riff that's right in the intro there. Right. And it just gets you so excited. Every yeah. single time I hear this, I'm like, man, there's a reason why this song is as good as it is. There's a funny thing about those gang vocals in the beginning, which, I mean, already it's kind of like, it's kind of funny because, I mean, who starts a song that way? But yeah. First of all, it gives you the idea and the impression that this is a band who is enjoying themselves. Right? That's, to me, part and parcel of if you're doing good music, it's because you're really enjoying it too. And from the beginning, you know, Jeremy McKinnon and everybody in the band has said, like, we've just been, like, we kind of accidentally became this thing. We were just doing what made sense because, mm -hmm. and I hadn't known this until the time. I thought that they kind of intentionally mixed these genres and, and they did, but but they said that they did it in the beginning because of the fact that in Ocala, Florida, they weren't going to be taken seriously unless they were playing hardcore music mm -hmm. with like these breakdowns and chugs and stuff and screams. And that was what the town was. They were just playing pop punk songs. Mm -hmm. And then they realized that they could add in these like breakdowns and like, you know, kind of create that moshy atmosphere. Mm -hmm to be taken more seriously by the, by the people at the shows. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so funny. And everybody told them they couldn't do it and it wouldn't work and it was stupid. And a lot of people hated it uh, and it wasn't cool at the time. Uh, but then of course it became legend status no, and, and the whole time they insisted that this is just what they wanted to do, you know? And so I think that this being the album where they really kind of came to the map, got put on the map. Mm -hmm. It's appropriate that you hear them starting with like, this just really raw, honest enjoyment mm -hmm. kind of saying like, this is what we do. And we've never really cared mm -hmm. that it didn't strike people's fancy. And the fact that it does is great, but we'd be doing it anyway. Exactly. And so I think you hear that. And the other thing is, I feel like you can hear people smiling. That's exactly what I was going to bring up next. Yeah. Is that it, it sounds so fun right off the bat, especially... Yeah. When like you're you're taking a genre right pop punk right that's a little more fun I think that's kind of part of what makes this album work so well we'll get obviously we'll get more into that as the time goes on but it's pop punk is while it is sad you just like at least me when I'm listening to pop punk I imagine dudes that are just having an amazing time you know what I mean yeah. where you listen to metalcore or hardcore whatever you want to call it and it's more intense it's more in your face it's aggressive and to, you know blend the energy of that right into the beginning of this I think was super. I mean, granted, if you like you were saying, it, it was just something kind of unintentional, but it it works so well, and it really brings 
I think it's it's the perfect track to start off this album because it really does capture the energy of both. You know, mm-hmm. the pop punk, it brings the hardcore and it just it's it's fun. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you were saying, you can really almost hear these dudes smiling yeah. while they're fucking recording this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that a bunch of them were probably like trying not to laugh during the course <laughs> of this. I mean, you can you can absolutely hear it. You know, you can hear when somebody's smiling when they're trying to record something. Of course. Uh, and I think it's really great that that's in there. Um, and then moving into the instrumentation when i heard this song because this was the one that that hit me when i first was like this is a great album the tone of the guitars i don't know what it is but i feel like that is the perfect guitar tone i totally understand for this style yeah right i'm just like there's nothing more appropriate it's it just there's something about it it's so full Mm -hmm. it's it's fuzzy Mm -hmm. and yet it's still hard you know, it's like, I don't know how to describe the shape of it, but it, it feels absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And that little, that little bridging, uh, top string hammer on gets me every time. Yeah. Of you know, course, I would listen dude. to this song just to hear that one little, I get half it. a second. I get it, dude. Like, you know, it, yeah, I, there's nothing else that I can really say, but agree with you on that, man. It's, it's so perfect for what this is. You know what I mean? Most times, like, at least in my case, if I'm going to go back and listen to something, I might be like, ah. You know what I mean? Maybe it didn't make as much sense, you know, whether it's this specific, you know, guitar tone or whatever it is. This still works and it fits perfectly with everything on this album. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ironic that we talk about how fun it sounds too, because in the little write-up that I found on um, an interview where Jeremy McKinnon describes the meaning of each of these songs, he said that this one was written when he was feeling the pressure of basically making an album and trying to please everyone, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that, okay, you're making an album, you already have an audience, it's huge. Um, and the pressure of trying to please everyone is is mounting and overwhelming. And he said he thought to himself, he's like, why don't I just write about what I'm feeling? Which, you know, seems like an obvious thing, but when you're under the pressure of writing an album, I'm sure it's like... Yeah, and you got a million things going through your head all at once. I couldn't imagine trying to sit down and focus on that. Right, and trying know? to create anything. You of know? course. So he said that this was essentially just an expression of like, not frustration, but but the pressure he was under when writing a record. And it's so funny that it came out being this like, kind of feeling like happy-go-lucky. Of course. And it's funny, like you were talking about kind of the difference that you feel between like pop punk and metalcore. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say... To me, I would describe it like you were talking about just a bunch of dudes having fun. I'm like, I feel like everything about pop punk when I was growing up was like if you're an angsty teenager or something, yeah. The pop punk music is like you hanging out with your homies downtown skating, and then the metalcore is like when you go home. Exactly. Yeah. So no, it, that's hundred percent correct. And dude. so the, you got everything with exactly. This and I style. think that's so great. It really like it. It's hard for me to describe other than to just say, like, when you look at the lyrical content of this song, it's very obvious that this isn't like, by like, this isn't, this is not a happy song, but the energy of the track feels so just, again, kind of happy-go-lucky. Like, it's funny, you keep bringing up, like, skating and stuff. When this album really clicked for me, it was when I was super into longboarding, too. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I always picture that in my head when I hear this shit. It's just a bunch of dudes, like, skating or longboarding down the street, doing whatever they want. But you sit down, you really listen to it, and it's... It's a heavy song, man, like emotionally, you know, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you feel the sense that in the words, you feel the sense of, 
a life changing irrevocably. Of course. And that's exactly what it's about. But, you know, it's still, I think it's great to have those things over a, over a kind of an energetically happy melody because you get this kind of dichotomy, which is really what I think their style kind of encases anyway. Mm -hmm. It showcases that dichotomy that used to be um, an unbridgeable chasm between two styles. So it's appropriate. It's appropriately dichotomous. I agree. I 100% agree. Uh, what does dichotomy mean? Dichotomy. I'm just messing with you. I know. I just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going back on that whole like you're super intelligent thing. But dichotomy uh, is twice what a monochotomy is. You're a motherfucker for that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, you know, I, I, I think I get the vibe of what you're saying. I, uh, I agree, man. There's something about, there's something about songs like this too, whether it be, you know, like the downfall of us all or another example that comes to mind is the song bullet by Hollywood undead. You know what I mean? Where the subject matter of both of these songs may be super heavy, but because of the fact that the song is so, and I think this is why the song resonates super hard and is as, um, it resonated super hard with people is because of the fact that like it, it's super like, it's like, it's kind of sad. You know what I mean? Listen to the lyrics of the song, but the way that it's composed with such an upbeat kind of mentality and you can hear that and feel that and everything, it makes it so accessible to the world mm -hmm. around it, which I think was super important for the time and maybe why this album resonated as highly as it did, because as sad as a lot of this album is lyrically, which we'll get more into as we go down, it's, it doesn't all the time. There are obviously songs in this album that do feel super sad and super down, but a lot of the songs feel very just like this sucks, but we're all right. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, I think that that's it's a it, laughing Buddha. Exactly. A laughing Buddha. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. I, you can only look at the universe and see chaos, but I mean, the choice is yours what to do with that. You yes. Either spend your whole life in fear of it, or you can just kind of laugh at the cosmic joke and get on. I've actually never heard that before. Yeah. yeah. That's super interesting, though. I like that. It's Nirvana right there. Fuck yeah, dude. Namaste. But so, um, yeah, I again, too, this out, this song, like the, the way it starts and the, the whole entirety of it from verse to chorus, like it's catchy. You're going to know it. Like anybody that's listening to this with any idea who the band of data remember is, you know what this song is. You know the words to this song. If not, you know the melody, you know the intro. And I think that it, like I've said before, really captures what this entire album is going to be about really perfectly. You don't see a whole lot of bands putting their lead single or the biggest song on their album as the first song on that album, but it works in this case super well. And uh, yeah, I think for me, there are two sections of lyrics that really always hit home to me personally. Uh, just being a kid that's always wanted to tour the world, you know what I mean? And play music for everybody that wants to come and listen. The first one is, I sold my soul to the open road. I'll live my life alone. And the other one, I actually didn't write this down, so I'm going to be a really bad podcast host and look it up while we're sitting boo. here. <laughs> Everybody Thanks. say boo. Just, yeah, keep going. Boom, boom me. I want to I feel it in this room. See, like in the future, you're going to have a soundboard on this, and we can just have yeah, Lee pressing buttons. Yeah. Lee and Carson in the it, back. Can you imagine? Yep. So, oh God, that'd be such a, they'd be, it, it'd be a terrible idea. They'd yeah, have, no, they'd, they'd have they would to trade off the podcast every three seconds. Yeah, no, they'd, they'd have to take turns. Uh, but the, the next one is don't forget yourselves. We've made up our minds. Yeah. We signed three, four, five on that dotted line. I don't know what it is, but again, it's like that part. It's obvious, especially in their coming albums and the subject material that they told. They're very, at least it seems to me that they were very unhappy with signing a deal with a major and getting under, you know what I mean? And they were again, ahead of themselves there. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think it's, 
I mean, I don't think it's ever been a new thing. No. You know, it, since 2000 or anything. I don't, I don't know. I'm talking out my ass, but I don't think it's new that signing deals is always a bit of a, a questionable yeah, thing. Yeah. It's a very Faustian thing. Exactly. But, but still, I mean, I mean, yeah, like, don't forget yourselves. It's, that was kind of a mantra for them from the beginning. You know, like when you're a band that has done something, made a fusion that people said was impossible, then I mean, probably your biggest obstacle will be resisting the pressure to cave when your other original ideas are coming up against tension. Of course. Static. I agree. And I think, you know, it's another testament to what I keep saying about this song. This is kind of what I, I just repeat myself a lot when I'm talking about a lot of the stuff here. But it, with the albums that we've done so far and including this one, I think it's it's the best example, in my opinion, except maybe Common Courtesy. I fucking love that album, but we'll get to that. Uh, Well, not today, but. Uh, it's the perfect example of what they did to really kind of make themselves known. And with this especially, like, it's it's another showcase of how the lyrics can be about something super dark, you know what I mean? Or super, like, frustrating. Like, in this case, you know, obviously, them well, signing... Kind of bittersweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But again, it still just sounds so upbeat. It's so catchy. Like, you can't help but smile when you're singing it or when you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. And I practice a lot of music when I'm just, you know singing and this is one of the ones that i always come back to and i'm always so stoked when i get to this part of the song there's something about it that's so infectious to me i love the bridge in this song oh my god me too yeah yeah that yes it's just again dude it's so fucking good and it's it's simple it's crazy to me that on their first i don't again i'm not super versed with their previous stuff but from what i've heard from them from like the previous albums to homesick this is really their first outing on like finally coming up with the like, you know, let's merge these two styles together thing. And they came out so masterfully out of the gate with the very first song. It's fucking insane to me. I know. And I won't understand that. Like even with our band doing what we want to do, which is a mix of like rock and then, you know, some of the more heavier metalcore things, you know, on our first fucking outing trying to do this. Granted, it was the first thing we ever wrote together as a band. But like there, we were nowhere near, uh, at least I don't think, what we wanted to do. Well, you know, I mean, granted, uh, a day to remember had what two albums before this? I th- they had for those who had heart. So? The, for those who have heart, well, that was two thousand seven. Now I'm again speaking on numbers. Yeah. I I have not listened to that album because I listened to it because I'm ashamed to myself and my family. Yeah. But um, I I think they had one before that as well. So you know, I mean, it wasn't their very first foray into you know writing an album. But I mean, Jesus, to what it became. I mean, it really is just one of those things that I look at as sort of an absolutely massive and and fortuitous coincidence that no you get kidding. this many people together who have this unified a vision and are that good at executing it. Because it's once again, you know, you look at it and the temptation would be to say, this must be extremely complex, mm-hmm. like something's going on here. And then you break it all apart and it's just really good simple hard-hitting content Mm -hmm. that is organized and arranged perfectly and it takes a real sort of like well-oiled machine i would say Mm -hmm. of people who really care about each other to bring that to fruition yeah in any in any kind of artistic pursuit i think and they're just i don't want to say they're lucky because of course that diminishes the work that people put into things but it is fortuitous to get you know, so many people who are so good at their part in the band to to create something like that. And you're talking about the bridge. I'm like, that's where it really feels like there's everything is so together. It's, it's just like so perfect. Dun, 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 and you're like, 
Oh, oh yeah. Man. Like it's, it really is, man. I don't, I really honestly, I don't know how much more I can say about this song other than to praise it again, man. Like this is, this is a scene staple for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't listened to this album from the moment you hear the song, I have no doubt in my mind you're going to get caught by it. You know, like oh, you did, like anybody who listened to this did. This song's amazing. And yeah, there's, I don't think there's any more that needs to be said about it. This song is fucking a perfect opener to this album. It's catchy. It's, mm-hmm. it's the perfect melding of both the styles that they obviously wanted so badly to, to meld and they did it fucking perfect. So I would honestly, I would rate this fuck like I'll say a genre bending hit. <laughs> genre blending maybe blending that's but, it yes you know it's an absolute hit and i mean i feel like in most cases it's hard to give things like a full five star rating or whatever but in this case it would be harder to justify giving it anything but a perfect score i agree like that song like it's just you gotta be crazy not to appreciate what it is no kidding okay should we Move keep on. moving here yeah of course uh so we're gonna go to the next one which is my life for hire Again, another amazing song. This is really like, you know, you get that big, open, you know, crazy breakdown-esque intro from uh, The Downfall of Us All all the way through that song, and then you hit this one. And this one for me is honestly, it's one of my favorites on this album. Um, Oh, same. It really just holds such, I don't know how to describe the vibe of this song specifically, but other than to say that it just really resonated with me in a time when I needed to be resonated with. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, this, um, I, I don't know if it's nostalgia or what it is, but this song is a real big standout for me. How about for you? This one I particularly like because the breakdown in this song, mm-hmm. I think is the best on the album. You think so? Now, I don't know if that's a hot take or not because, you know, I mean, I don't know. I have to say I'm not like the firmest fit in this whole genre uh, of metalcore and whatever i'm not i don't consider myself a, a breakdown expert mm-hmm. but this breakdown gets probably an entire half a hemisphere in my brain rent free just it just hangs out you know it's just there constantly running and i'm just intermittently paying attention to it i don't know why but yeah that breakdown it gets in my head constantly and i think that as a breakdown the way it evolves from start to finish is just way too good. Yeah. And it's again super simple. It's just a mildly different iteration of the same theme one after the other. Of course. They just change it a little bit with every section of the breakdown, but it hits so fucking hard. Fuck yeah, dude. So hard. I love yeah. the way that you talk about these things. I just got to say like I'm like I'm sitting here and I'm supposed to be like the guy leading this, but just listening to you speak about these things, I'm like so enthralled with it. Yeah. So you're doing a really good job. Oh, I just want well, to say that. You're gonna make me blush. Hey, I got you, bro. But yeah, this uh it, it again, I all I can really say about this, because with me just being, you know, a, a vocalist, I'm not super versed in the world of um at least not yet in the in the world of composition and instrumentation and all of these things. But what I will say is like this song to me feels it makes me remember times in life when it just it felt more free. You know what I mean? Just like, again, it's that idea of just, maybe that's why this goes so well. It's just like skating, you know what I mean? Or, or oh, yeah. longboarding, whatever it is. Like just, you're just doing whatever, nothing else matters. And it's just about being in this moment and having the time of your life doing it. And that's, that's I think that's why this song hits me super hard. The chorus obviously is, 
I think it's my favorite, one of my favorites on the album. I really, really like it lyrically. I think it's super well constructed and obviously uh, melody wise as well. The breakdown, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a hot take to say that that breakdown is one of the, if not the best on the album, but I could definitely see people being upset that you didn't pick uh, Mr. Highways thinking about the end. I know you're not I super like, onto social media, but that has had like a new resurgence recently and mm -hmm. people are posting that at least on my tiktok and shit fucking everywhere it's like yeah. the third time i've seen well, this good. happen in my life but well, yeah. good I'm, I'm i'm stoked on that and i have actually a great story about that because i did some research on this album to come into this because mm -hmm. i was like oh my god i just have a my massive crush on this album i don't know what i'm gonna say about it yeah other than like oh it's really good yeah and i like it a lot that's exactly how i feel like i am right but, now. <laughs> but i did some research and um when we get to that song i want to talk about a few things with that but I'm stoked that is of course an iconic an iconic breakdown no of it's just course, this one this I one is just like it's just a beautiful specimen I agree I think because of how I would say because of how largely looked at that specific breakdown is in Mr. Highway's thinking about the end I would say a mm -hmm. lot of the rest of these kind of not get tossed by the wayside but don't get talked about as much as they deserve to yep. and I would say this is a song that I feel like honestly is something that people should then again, I feel like that about every album that I talk about with songs that don't get as much airplay. But I seriously do. Like, I think this song deserves way more attention than I feel like I've it gets. I think this is the most I've ever discussed this song with yeah. anybody ever. Well, you know, it's living in the shadow of Downfall of Us All. And I, I mean, get it's that. The second, it's I track get it. two, right? Of course. Yes, it's track no. two. So it's like people are like, oh, my God, I'm horny. I'm alive. Yeah, I'm, it's... I'm, I'm feeling great about <laughs> life. I'm no longer lacking in serotonin. What is this? What's playing right now? What what's going on? You know, that's yeah. that's the feeling that probably it um you know comes up against when and you're listening totally to the album sense. track by track. It's but, hard to put that right next, like to be the song that comes right after that. Yeah, you I mean, tough I mean? act to follow. Of course, literally definition yeah. of the phrase. It is yeah. one of it's the I think it's the second biggest song off this album, which is crazy. Again, and we'll talk about this. There are so many songs on this album alone that became scene classics. Oh yeah, that are it's just fucking wild, and we'll we'll get to that with the next song. But again, you know, this song for me, um. This again, while it, it carries that like super, I don't know if I'd quite say like happy energy, but at least like it's not super like it's not a downtrodden like you're, you know, you're down in the dump style song. It's but it's very upbeat while also being defiant and very angry. Yeah, at least lyrically. And I respect that a lot. I uh, those are usually the songs that I resonate with the most. Cause yeah, I'm a little spiteful little boy. Mm. But yeah. And well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say in the same little um interview i found on the way back machine um uh jeremy says that this song was the first he started writing for the album but then didn't finish it till right before they went into studio really yeah and he says that this was about um the uh roadblocks from the industry mm -hmm. basically telling them you can't be the band that you describe as wanting to be yeah. and he's like well they were wrong about that and yeah of course they that's were. a great little hero story um the whole thing about a day to remember their whole story is like this nice like underdog comes up and succeeds but um which always sells but um, of course but yeah i mean that's apparently what this song this track was actually about so it kind of makes sense that it has that energy loud and clear i yeah. think you know what i mean and again you know they get more into this in uh the common courtesy album which i'm going to talk about a lot too because that's again my favorite album by them but this um I love that. I love that no matter what, it's like, it's the, it's the, you're not going to get me down kind of mentality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this is the same band who wrote an entire album and put clips in of them shit talking their label or sending off emails right. of lawsuits to their label, you know, like, and, and these Which guys, always makes me wonder, like, aren't there clauses in your record deals about that? Like, I would, I would think that 
there would be like defamation protections in those in those. So if you and I contracts. ever do Common Courtesy, we'll have to discuss this at length. This is that's the one album of theirs that I've really done a deep dive on. Oh, yeah. That album got shelved for a long fucking time because of uh, all of that. Got put like in timeout until yeah until they went to court and won the court case oh, and they were like cool all of our music is ours now we get to release this. That's a Taylor Swift story right there. No fucking kidding. <laughs> but yeah so yeah this song it's it's another one of my favorites off this album and that's fucking. I'm going to be saying that about a lot of these songs because a lot of yeah. these songs and rightfully so are some of the best songs in this genre. Well, again, it's been 14 years yeah. since an absolute like uh, legend of an album. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about a complete monument. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to be it like, well, nervous. you know, this just doesn't doesn't really deliver. It's like, yeah. How are you going to say that? Well, I mean, to be fair, I just did that with Sempaternal. <laughs> Well, and I felt really I bad mean, about it. I but tend like, to agree with you, honestly, but that's just personal taste. Yeah, it's 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 something that I don't think this album actually suffers from. It's something that I've started to call the Sempaternal Complex. It's where like so much of the album is so good that the last few songs are just kind of throwaways. You know what yeah. I mean? This I think this album doesn't have that. We'll get through that. But um, with this song in particular, you know, I, I guess just to end our discussion on it, because we man, we are 42 minutes in and we are two songs deep. Dude, this, this is bad. We need to hurry up. <laughs> mm -hmm. But no, so this song, honestly is it's un undeniably good to me so i'm gonna call it an undeniable hit all right yeah yeah you're gonna go with that dude absolutely cool. fuck yeah. yes so the next again dude it's just like what do i say at this point the next one is i'm made of wax layer what are you made of this is another amazing song that everybody knows from this fucking album i yeah. love it i love the name do you know where it came from yes not at the museum okay great i love that yeah because i found that out and i was like because i you know i never bothered to think about it but yeah. i was like oh okay i can't remember where i found that out but I actually used to, like, again, I'm sure every, a lot of people, anybody who's in a band listening to this, at some point you've covered a Day to Remember song, I'm sure of it. I've covered The Downfall of Us All, this one, and then the one right after this, and this one was always one of my, like, most favorites to play. Again, it's so much fun. The lyrics, again, are super dark, but it really just holds on to that energy that this album is not letting go of. That mm -hmm. while the lyrical content and what this, the story of this album may be about is super, like, you know, just people being super frustrated in life or whatever it is, but it's so upbeat, so happy. It's so infectious is the way that I like to describe it. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's I mean, it goes back to that laughing Buddha thing I was talking about. It's like because mm -hmm. this song, according to Jeremy McKinnon, is about getting even mm -hmm. and it's uh, taking kind of a saying like vengeance feels good sometimes to be vindictive. Uh, yeah. And again, with the laughing Buddha idea, it's like, I mean, there's going to be a lot of shit in life if you are a living human that is going to suck, but your reaction to it is kind of the only thing you can choose, or at least you can choose how you want to react to something. So, um, trying to kind of indulge in things that have to happen mm -hmm. uh, and find the good in them is kind of nice. And that's why you put extremely, extremely angsty lyrics over a, a poppy, the poppy chorus. Yeah. feels good. It does. It feels, so uh, it feels right. Good. This song's awesome. The music video for this is honestly one of my favorite music videos I've ever seen. Have you watched it? I don't think, I'm actually really bad about like watching music videos. I've not seen the one for this. I think I've wait, wait. What was what was so the video? This one for this? they're playing. Was it kickball? I think it's the kickball kick one. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, no, I did see this. I was one, gonna yeah. say I know they're playing a sport. I was gonna say dodgeball for some reason, but they were on like a like a baseball diamond or something. So right, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. But yeah, it was kickball, and it's like it. God, it really just like it captures the nature of the band, which again is right tying back to this what you're saying right now about the laughing Buddha. Like it's. They're just having fun with all of this shit that gets thrown at them. Yeah. You know, and I love that. There's 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 nobody else that does it like they do. Yeah. In this genre. 
and I, I was reading that the, and I don't know who this person is, but uh, the person who featured, oh, on the that guy track, from uh, the Devil Wars Prada, Mike, her, her, her something, right? Yes, yeah, HR something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I was seeing that he was the ref in that video. Yep. There's a, that whole funny. scene where he's actually in the song. It's Jeremy and the ref just sitting there screaming yeah, yeah, at each yeah. other. Yeah, I fucking yeah. love that. Because I went back and I did watch it um, in prep for this, and I'm sorry, I feel like I'm probably just the guy at the Lord of the Rings screening who's like, do you know Aragorn broke his toe? Yeah, no, I'm the, telling all these little tidbits. They're interesting to no, me because this is, this is the first time I've found out about him. I think this is the most like deep dive we've gone on this podcast so far at all, so yeah. I'm loving every second of this. So yeah, keep going, please. Yeah. Well, that's all I have on that one. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm chill. But I like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I even like, watched the clip from Nightmare, Night of the Museum because I hadn't seen that movie in a long ass time. Yep. And it was uh, it was Robin Williams that played that guy, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. And he's like, I'm made of wax, Larry. What are you made of? I think and I was, was like, I just one, almost right? cried watching that two seconds because I yeah. was like, oh, Robin. No fucking kidding. That one hurts still. Oh, to this yeah, it does. Day, yeah. Him and Chester Bennington. I'm like, <sighs> I, I barely listened to Linkin Park. Yeah. I have no idea why I feel like I knew Chester my whole life. But when he died and I started like looking at little clips of him, I was like, God damn Fuck. Yeah, like, come on, man. That one's a tough one. I think that one's always going to be tough. And it's oh, because, yeah. you know, like, we we did kind of grow up with them. Like, regardless, it's another one of those bands. Like, oh, if yeah. you don't know Linkin Park, you know Linkin yeah. Park. You know? Well, but, and just for me, it just felt so, I just feel so bad, you know, when somebody is so, so high level, changed so many lives, and yeah. there's nothing you can do for them. As the person who's benefited entirely from somebody's existence, to not even be able to, to yeah. like, give them a reason to stay alive. Like, that's so hard. Like, Millions and millions of people, yeah, probably could have helped that man. But of when you're that kind of status, you don't have access to those people in a real way. Yeah, no it's fucking crazy, kidding, man. It's, it's crazy. Talk about water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. No the Odyssey. Yeah, you know exactly. Can't drink seawater. Yeah, man, it's a fucking tough one, dude. But yeah. Oh, so anyway, <laughs> um, this is not about Chester. No, R.I.P. But R.I.P. Indeed. Yeah, I would this say. This is about. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is about uh, New Jersey Legion Ice Tea, which oh, just okay. to get into the next track. But Before we get too far, I'm going to rate this really quick. Last thing I'm going to say, oh, yeah. catch chorus, super fun versus breakdown's fun. I can never listen to that breakdown and not think about the scene of them two screaming at each other. Oh, I know, yeah. This song, again, is an undeniable hit. There's no, de literally, there's no denying it at this point. You might be three songs in at this point thinking, it can't be this good still. Yeah. It is. It's undeniable. Yeah. So and deal with it. By the way, I don't know who introduced, who first did the... Um, <clears throat> Before screaming something, yeah. But to me, because I'm so underversed in this entire like yeah. you know scene, it it actually is still entertaining to me of whenever course. somebody does it, and I think it's great. It so. is. It's so good. Yeah. What a yeah. fucking great song, man. Undeniable. Awesome. And yes, this next song, NJ Legion Ice T. Now this may very well be my favorite fucking song on this album. I my, love yes. the guitar intro. My first band that I was ever in covered this song for a number of years. Right at the very like my first times playing shows ever. So, like, I hold this song in such high regard, not only because I think it's a really genuinely amazing song. Again, go figure. The fourth song on this album is just as amazing as the rest. But I, um, yeah, there's something about it that just takes me back to being a kid. And I fucking love this song for that. Have you read the, the write-up on the um, I haven't. meaning? I haven't. Oh, man. Well, you nailed it. Good job. Not really? Because it's funny because you mentioned, you know, your early days with a band and then being a kid and... What he actually said, I'm going to read you the direct quote do. because um, I think that'll be better. So he says, this one is about how it felt going to shows when I was younger. It's all about being with friends. It's all about hanging with friends, having a good time and feeling like we had a place. Oh my God. So it was just about going to gigs and hanging out and being like, 
yeah, bitch, we run this town. I'm not kidding. That is like damn near exactly what I have in my notes right here. Like literally, like I put down the old days at the hop. Yes, it it gives me such a warm nostalgic nostalgic feeling, and that the song makes me feel like I can achieve anything. You know what I mean? It's so like it really does feel like you are in charge of this fucking everything, whatever it is. You know what your your life, your job, whatever. It just it feels so good to listen to this song, man. Yeah, and it's another one that I feel like is just looked over because of you know this album have so many having so many amazing songs but i would i would put this in my top three this is one of if not my favorite song on this album and yeah that, i fucking don't even yeah. know what else to say dude this song I mean, is fucking amazing it's funny because at the time this song was written you know and this album came out although i had no idea about it and i'd only seen adtr on t-shirts and wondered what the hell is that yeah um i at that time was living that life but in a different scene mm-hmm. i was in the competitive magic the gathering scene uh in 2009 at the end of high school for me and i had totally splintered my group of friends at high school Mm -hmm. in my like sophomore year and so junior and senior year i was really just like making friends out at magic tournaments Mm -hmm. playing slinging cards you know like and then just like hanging out on the sidewalk outside of uncle's game store and just shitting around and like being a menace and like going to get breadsticks and Alfredo boats at the Olive Garden <laughs> that was still there. Yeah. And um, yeah, for me, that would be the accessible memory that's connected to the same thing. And it, cause it was at the same time that this yeah. was being written, which I find funny because that was that time in my life, but it was just bumming around with fucking magic nerds and just playing spells. It's funny around the time that this album really started to speak to me was actually when this band was starting. It was like the very beginning, like when we were recruiting people. So like you, Oh, our band. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, it like it really like it gave, you know, the first lyrics in this are get up, get out. This is your wake up call. Right. That yeah. is exactly how I felt. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like this is it. You know, like it's time to do what I've been talking about doing. That's exactly the way this song makes me feel. Just like at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I fucking love this for that. I yeah, there's this song will always have such a special place in my heart from a band that maybe I don't listen to as much. But still, this 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 song will always, always hold a place in my heart for it. For the message for you know the the history that I personally have with it and just the way emotionally that it hits me right at my core. Yeah. And you know this whole album is about missing home. Yeah. You know obviously and I think it might be fun from here forward to try to hone in on one line from each track that yeah. kind of encapsulates homesickness. So for this one I think it would be we run this town and you can't fight us all. I agree. Right? That's like that's, that's hometown it. vibes right there. That you or know? honestly the I guess you have all the lyrics. The hometown, yeah, it's basically up here on my Spotify. But oh, great! The one that always sticks to me is the first line of the chorus. So here's to another banner year. We've crossed that thin line. Don't try to hold us here. Right. That like maybe it doesn't quite hold to the homesickness, but at least that like it's it's you've that's really what speaks to me about this song in particular. I think. So yeah, and I think that's great because uh, in a lot of cases, listening to this song, especially in the last week with a with an attentive ear, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit mystified by McKinnon's lyrical choices. Mm-hmm. The way he phrases things, I'm like, this is so simple yet so vague. Yeah, that I'm like, I don't really understand what he's trying to say, which I think is actually perfect when I think about it because that means he knows exactly what it means, but it could mean anything to anybody. That's something that I really respect in a lyricist is when you, it's something that I hope that I can live up to one day just writing my own songs is that I want to write stuff that like can be so near and dear to me. 
but can really mean anything for anybody else. You know, it's yeah. like painting the full picture. It's it's broad sure. strokes, leaving the the full painting to be something that anybody can analyze or anybody can yeah. relate to. That's something I really enjoy about these guys too. It's 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 kind of the difference between sharing your personal exact story with tons of people mm-hmm. and sharing with tons of people yep. in general. Yep. Like their stories, your stories coming together under the same kind of phraseology. It's like, I think it's great. And that's what music is for me. It, it, like I said at the beginning of this, it's about what it means to you at the end of the yeah. day, how it's helped you, whatever it is. You know, that's that's what music is. And I think this song does that very, very well. Absolutely. And just Jeremy McKinnon as a lyricist in general. So yeah, I'm going to rate this again my my smash hit of the album. You know what I mean? This is my my song from this album. So It was close to being my favorite as well when I listened through it again. Um, but I have my favorite. Yeah, of course, dude. I'm really excited to hear what it is. So next, we are moving on to Mr. Highway is thinking about the end. I'll just start out by saying what it is that Jeremy said about this song. He said, this song's about people trying to belittle your accomplishments and feeling like you get the shit end of the stick most of the time. This song helps you relieve some stress. Understatement, man. That song, yeah, this yeah. song in particular, man, like, as I've said before, I guess I'll start here. This is the breakdown song from this album because oh, yeah, yeah. everybody knows it. Even like people, I've heard people at my work. It's funny. The other day I heard somebody at my work just yell out, disrespect your surroundings. Like a day to remember. And they were like, yeah. who? Like they had no idea who the band was, but they still know it. Like this song right. is known so well out for that. But I also think this is one of the most interesting songs on the album uh, vocally. And production wise, because it's super, it, it carries the vibe, but it's it's weird how much you switch the post production in a song and it really changes the vibe of something because this yeah. song feels very ethereal to me, whether that's the way the vocals were produced or what's going on in the background. This song feels very spacey to me, very ambient in okay. the chorus specifically for me. And uh, it stands out for me for that reason, because the other ones have been very up to this point. Very straightforward, you know what I mean? Like very front and center vocals where there are parts in the chorus where, like I was saying, it's very spacey, it's very pulled back, very reverby, if you will. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that really lends to making this song stand out in a nice way. Yeah, to me, it it's kind of similar in the sense that you can feel the kind of difference in this chorus. It's really wistful and sort of like, like you're saying, ethereal. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like when you use, it's like when in a show, mm-hmm. right, to demonstrate that somebody is thinking something in their head, mm-hmm. they use that echoey voice. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like that. Exactly. You know, it feels like there's this outward reality, and then the chorus is sort of that internal, uh, that internal monologue of like, you know, when will we ever get what we deserve? Yeah. I'm like in my head panicking right now. I'm like, that's this song, right? Yeah. No. You're right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, sometimes you I'm it. very bad at connecting titles to songs. No, you're very. You're doing um, great. Yeah. But it, it was funny. I was I was looking up. Um, the meaning or at least some interpretations of this mm-hmm. song uh, on Reddit. Uh, and I found a thread from, I don't know when, but somebody was like, what's the meaning of this song? And somebody was like, it's about disrespecting your surroundings. And I was like, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious every that's time. That's killer. And then somebody else posted a meme of like somebody, they, they took Jeremy McKinnon's face and like pasted it over a picture of somebody scrubbing a countertop and it said, disinfect your surroundings. <laughs> and it's Jeremy's like scream face and he's all like, yeah, just aggressive. It's so fucking hilarious, it, dude. dude. Yeah, this so song. Good. I'm glad it's resurging. Yes, me too, dude. Again, there's a lot of songs that are doing that in the scene randomly just because of TikTok. Like King for Day is another one that's blowing up again out Bro, of nowhere. Oh like, oh my god, don't get me started. I can only be so erect during this podcast. <laughs> Can't have that. But yeah, so you know, I uh, yeah, man, this this song stand out for a reason. You know, it's 
it uh, it kicks ass. And as much as the breakdown is known in this song, I think, and I could be incorrect. This is just you know me going off of what I've experienced in my life. I think the chorus in this song is one of the best, as I've said. And I think again, it just needs a like people need to pay attention to it a little bit more, man, because it's 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 orchestrated in context of where it's put in the album in such a way that really kind of at least for me it separates it perfectly because you're you know you've got everything that leads up to this point and then everything that comes after it it's like the first half of this album is kind of how we've been talking and there are still points in that later on but like you know very very happy very free pop punky metalcore perfect blend and it continues that but i feel like it continues it on a sadder note or like a more melancholy retrospective um aspect on it after this point which it's so cool to me that they took a song like this and put it right smack dab like basically in the middle to kind of at least to me the way i look at it differentiate where one part of this album starts and stops and where the next part takes you you know definitely no yeah i think that's a spot-on interpretation well thank you man. Um, I, go ahead in my uh in my little search about this particular track i think it was in the same thread on reddit they were talking about the title. Now, do you know where this title came from? I actually don't. This is so funny because uh, when I found out, I was like, what in the hell? What a strange coincidence. Because a long, long time ago, my brother and I had watched this weird movie that just happened to be on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a young Elijah Wood and a young Macaulay Culkin in a movie together. Really? And uh, Macaulay Culkin's evil, evil child. Mm. And he like, uh, the scene that we, me and my brother always joked about um, you know the phrase "who screwed the pooch," mm-hmm. or like, or screwed the pooch. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. For some reason, we were talking about um, this scene where Macaulay Culkin kills this dog by using an improvised gun that shoots like a bolt. Oh my god! And my brother's like, "Who screwed the pooch?" I'm like, <laughs> "That's actually hilarious." So we always joke about that, but this never came back to my consciousness until just the other day when I was researching for this podcast, and I was like, "What is that title from?" It's from that movie. What? It's called "The Good Son." It was 1993, yeah. I think. Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood, they're both little tiny kids. Uh, Elijah Wood is this is the good son. He's like a you know, perfectly normal kid. Mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin is this evil child, and he's doing evil things. Uh, and he has this mannequin that he made called Mr. Highway. And there's a scene, and you can find it on YouTube. It's clipped out on its own. He's sitting this mannequin on this overpass that he and Elijah Wood are standing on. And he's like, poor Mr. Highway. He's had enough of this old life. He's thinking about the end. And he pushes him off. What the Causes fuck? a massive car accident. So Macaulay Culkin's just smiling and like watching this car accident what happen. Because he's, he's fucking sociopathic. Yeah. And Elijah Wood's just watching on in horror. So yeah, that's what it's from. That's so crazy. And it's so funny. I'm like, like I always wonder. Nice. This is right around the time when all of these bands were doing these really weird elaborate names. Yeah. And I just had no idea. Like, right. for example, right? Like, Bring Me the Horizon named their band after Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, that's There's funny. a scene where he says, Bring Me that. that Horizon. Ah. And they were like, that's it right there. Like, there, And there's right. so many songs like that in this scene yeah. where it's just like ridiculously long names for what seems Dude, like no reason. I love reason. that stuff. Yeah, that's super fucking well, cool. Well, to me, it's like the equivalent of, um, you know, when there's like samples. Yeah. Like a lot of Slipknot songs, you're like hearing samples in there, you know, and... Um, you're like, well, what the hell is that from? Like, here yeah. comes the pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from a Scarface. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just, I always think it's fun to kind of like have those little things to unlock. Yeah, you know, a little DLC. Yeah, <laughs> a little DLC. I like. I don't that think a that lot. really fits. Again, I don't really play 
the video games. No, I mean it's kind of correct though. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. Easter eggs. That's yeah. the word. Easter eggs. There you go. Yeah. That's the correct term. I I think I was thinking Easter eggs when you said that. Right. Too, yeah. So. But yeah, no, I get you. This song's amazing. You know, it's there's not. I don't unless you have anything else personally. The I pinch harmonic. The pinch harmonic. The pinch harmonic. I'm an absolute bitch. Uh, if you give me a good pinch harmonic, that's Just funny. Perfectly done. I still don't know whether they bend down from that or whether they used a whammy bar. Yeah. Or if it was all post. I don't think you would bend and post. That doesn't no, make any sense. No, Stupid. No, no, no. It's one of those two for sure. One of the first two for sure. Yeah. I think, but it sounds like a whammy bar, but it might be a bend. If yeah. so, it's a very well executed bend. But the tone on that pinch harmonic, like I am constantly amazed by certain <laughs> bands and their guitar tones. Like, yeah. get scared. And a day to remember, like these two tones, I'm just fucking in love with. Yeah. And like, it's all I want to play. Like, if I had a guitar that sounded like that, I feel like I would just become a genius instantly. I'd yeah. be like, because I would want to play all day, every day, of because of how good it sounds. See, I would just be like, just draining myself of, of jizz and, and playing songs. <laughs> Accidentally. <sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> not like, not a simultaneous two ventures. It would just be a consequence. I just one got of an the image other. of you like pinch arm, like doing the bend from the song with that exact tone. You're like, uh, like oh, yeah. just fucking leaking everywhere. Yeah, that's it's... killer. No, but the the you know the guitar tone that's really doing it for me lately is this new age kind of like I, I call it the Mick Gordon style guitar tone from that. He's the dude that did the new Doom game soundtracks, and I knew listening to those soundtracks because it's it's from the Doom 2016 and then the Doom Eternal. I think game. you showed me those. Yes. So everybody is all on that now. You know what I mean? Is that the genty kind of yes. tone? So yeah. everybody's on that now, and I get why. That tone makes me harder than Portland cement. Like it is, <laughs> it is so good, dude. I am in love with it. But nice. yeah, man, this song. What else is there really to say about it? It's it's a staple again. We did it. Another staple in this scene for a very good reason. This again, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go with the same as last time. An undeniable hit. This yeah. one's good. Now next, have faith in me. Oh. Fuck. See, this is what I'm talking about, man. Yeah. This is when the album shifts. You get a song right. like this that just breaks your heart. At least for me. You know what I mean? Like it just it it really. Oh God, man. It really just fucking hurts. So yeah. good. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And this one, uh, I feel like this was probably a huge hit with the sort of crowd that dip their toes into harder music with with easy core i agree you know the people who are really on the side of like pop and maybe pop punk mm -hmm. and they might have come across this and then they were like that meme with that little kid turning up the volume yeah just, yeah, yeah yeah you know like i feel like that was this was probably that song for a lot of that crowd i think who so were, this was their first foray into this sort of like style i agree um which is great i mean and it's got a, a, a timeless theme of, of course you know trust and and kind of like and relying on people's word and, and fulfilling your own word when it comes down to it. You know, that's funny. This song has always, to me, for some reason, just like reminded me of like, I guess like, uh, it, this is going to sound, so, uh, this is really reductive. So pardon me. <laughs> but like, to me, it always sounds like a, like meeting somebody at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. Yeah. That's what this feels like to me is like maybe starting a relationship with somebody that like you really like you guys really cared for each other, but it's just right place wrong time oh yeah you know what i mean and it just didn't work out and that's that's at least to me what this like why this song just hurts so good it's because like yeah. the feeling of that is unmatched in anything else in this world i feel like and yeah man it's just it's it's 
It's tough. I have a hard time. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I have a hard time with sadder songs listening to them. I don't know yeah. if that's like a personal aversion to being sad, so I avoid them like the plague. But Maybe. like uh this one doesn't do that for me. Like it it still feels What's the word I'm looking for here? Sad, but it's almost as if a uh that's what I'm looking for here. Like it's sad, but a resolve has come of it. You know what I mean? There's it's not stuck in the sadness. It's this is the future looking right. back. It's reflective. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is something I can really get behind. In for me, another thing, being a vocalist, being somebody who's loved singing his entire life, the uh like a good sing-along is what I'm like always super stoked on. And I think the chorus of this does it so well that like that's something that really stands out for me on this track, is just the chorus, that and the bridge. Oh, Fuck, man. The bridge on this song, I think, is probably oh, yeah. the best on this album, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking also, the, I mean, the intro, like, again, for me, that's the, the amount of mileage mm -hmm. that, um, oh my God, I'm such a piece of shit. I don't remember uh, the guitarist's name. Uh, Neil, I think. Neil Westfall. Neil Westfall, yep. Ah, we did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know if he writes most of the the you know riffs or you know, the I licks have no idea either or the underlicks whatever you want to call them lead lines mm -hmm. um either way whatever the case is whoever came up with that intro it's like you know so much mileage out of like four notes of course and it's like i don't know for me it's just inspiring listening to these songs and thinking about writing because i've never considered myself very good at songwriting but i think it's probably because i'm a ten i, I have a tendency to overcomplicate everything that i do mm -hmm. um creatively to the point where i'm like I'll make something, scrap it immediately without ever testing it anywhere. Yeah. And just let go of it before it has a chance to fully come to any kind of like full picture. Yeah. Um, and so I like to listen to these things and be like, yeah, that's just really simple and well filled out. Of course. And it's I agree. Great. I think it, I think it comes from the mentality. I heard this somewhere. I can't remember where, but it was a, a, a some big producer in our scene or something like that talking about a mistake that a lot of bands make is overthinking. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's about keeping it, um, natural, right? That's, sure. that's what you want. And that's something that I have tried to adopt recently in, in one of the songs that to get off topic here and plug my own shit or our own shit part. <laughs> but like, uh, with the song that we just wrote memento Mori and finished up, uh, that was one that was like, it, it felt so natural to me. It, it's akin to this song to me, just because this song again, feels like you were saying, it's such simple parts. It's so, it doesn't feel like it would have taken forever to sit down and think of, you know right. what I mean? It just feels yeah. like it could just roll right out of you. Right. And those songs tend to have, in my opinion, I agree with you, more of a, you know, like almost a mystical, like how are they doing something so simplistic, but making it so memorable? Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I really appreciate that about a lot of the songs in this album, but this one in particular as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I think my favorite lyrics from this and i think um i guess the homesick like following that mentality you're talking about right? like what in this kind of describes homesickness to you in each song oh yeah is the yeah, chorus yeah. you know i said i'd never let you go and i never did i said i'd never let you fall um and i think it's i know it's been said but like that really does feel like to me whenever i hear that it, it gives me the thought of like let's say everything goes right in my life right we become a touring band it, it reminds me of like thinking about my fiance at home sure you know yeah what i mean like or whatever it is your family your friends you know like really missing them and wanting to be home with them you know well it's probably also i mean 
when you when you try to put yourself in the shoes of a massively successful touring band, you know, two things that people always say is that you never know who your friends really are. Of course. And you can never go home the same way again. No. And those two things, I think, come through in this song, in that phrase that you're talking about, because to all your friends who have been there from the beginning, you want to stay true and honest and, you know, say that you're going to keep it real. But can you really do that? Mm-hmm. Likewise, when you come back to your hometown, you know, doing the first thing is even harder because of the second thing, which is that when you come back to your hometown, if you're a celebrity, it's not your hometown anymore. No. It's a it's a crowd of people who feel like they own you or are yeah. like somehow like your people and they're expecting you. And like basically, yeah, you just can't go to the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> you can't walk to Albertsons. Yeah. And oh, God, pick up a wired, you know, <laughs> a wired which, which by the, you drink, which by the way, I, I drank one the other day and I was like, holy Jesus, this is just a liquid. It's just a liquid vehicle for, for unadulterated caffeine. Yes. It's not, there's no flavor. No. And that's just the flavor of, of caffeine. It's like you crush a vitamin up yeah. and mix it into water. Yeah. That's what that tastes No, 100%. Like. I'll still buy it. Yeah. No. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's that you, or like this the economy. Ones, which, are you kidding fair, me? This is what I do. It's like liquid it's like what everybody imagined soda would be as a kid for the other energy drinks, right? Like Monster, whatever. It's just like liquid sugar with caffeine. You know what I right, mean? Yeah. It's like somebody melted lollipops and just put them in there and dumped yeah. a good handful of but caffeine. But it's got a weird bite to it. Yeah. It's sinister. Oh, I love it. I'm never going to give up <laughs> on it. But no, I, you know, to bring that back to kind of what you were saying too, I think that the homesickness feeling from this album is kind of derived. It's, it's hiding behind nostalgia. You know oh, what yeah. Because I mean? it's like you come, like yeah. you're saying, you know, you, you never come back home the same. Right. Right. So it's like you're you're wishing for things to be the same. It's like wishing for things to be the way they were before. So I right. think that's a really interesting way, now that you brought that up, to look at it. It's almost like you're homesick for the way that things were. Yeah. Not the way that things are now. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. That's insane. I never actually thought about that. But it's the yeah a type of homesickness that can't ever go away no, no. matter how many times you come home. Because everything's different. Right. You know your, home I mean? is, your home is a, is a different time. Which I think it's not is, a place. to be fair, you know what I mean? Like... Uh, that's three. That's four dimensional space. I talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah. well space time. But thing. Uh, like, there's lyrics in the song that I think kind of support that theory. Like, I'm going crazy because there are things in the streets I don't believe. You know, and like, uh, uh, cling to what you know and never let go. You should know things aren't always what they seem. You know what I mean? It's like you come back right. with that. Like, let's say you're homesick. You come back home and you've got those rosy goggles on. You're looking around. You take those off and you're like. Man, nothing is how I remember it. Right. You know what I mean? So well, I like that. I think this song yeah. does a lot. It, it could mean yeah. a million different things to a million different people. So again, I got to say, this song's a fucking emotional roller coaster hit for me. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And next, oh, welcome yeah. to the family. Now, um, we're reaching the point in the album for me where I don't, like, it doesn't lose me like some albums do, but I feel like certain parts of a couple songs coming up just don't grab me as much as they do mm-hmm. in other songs. And then other parts really do grab me as much as other ones do. Like in, for example, the verses in this song, I'm not super huge on the breakdown. I love a lot. And the chorus is a standout chorus to me. Run again. us through uh, one verse. Uh, we're finally alone at last. Oh, how I've waited for this day to come. There's just something about you that rubs me wrong. You're not worth my attention. I built this with my own two hands. If you could spare me the time, Stop using me as your next misconception. I don't believe that. Or sorry, that's where the, yeah, the, chorus, the chorus. Yeah. So the verses, for some reason, dude, there's just something about this one, and then it's um. God, what is the other one? It's like the minute and a half long song. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. just don't hit the same for me. But the chorus is. There's on the just song. something about it that rubs you wrong. Yeah, I, <laughs> 
you. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. I mean, to, for lack of a better word, yeah. And it, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's just like I don't. I don't want to say that it's repetitive because it's not. I'm trying to think of the right word to describe this right now. It's just like I think. Unfortunately for me, there are better versions of these verses on this album. But again, it's like it's juxtapos- juxtaposed and I'll still listen to the song all the way through just to get to the chorus and the breakdowns because I think yeah. those two are both really, really good. This one has a really cool like effect right before the breakdown. The oh my God, yeah. Honestly, that's worth it just for me. That's worth the price of admission to this Exactly. It's nothing that I'm mad at and I will gladly sit and listen to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So do you have anything more to say? Like, Well, when I was looking, so in the interview, he says that this one was a song that they released a few weeks before the album came out really uh and it was um intended to not intended to but they felt like if this was going to be a preview if the track they chose was going to be a preview for the album they chose this one because they felt like it was the perfect stepping stone from for those who have heart to now that which is totally fucking makes sense because i was going to say i think why i don't connect with this as much is because it feels like it's from their previous album which isn't mm-hmm. bad i still like a lot of yeah. that album but it definitely feels different, and I think that's exactly why. Yeah, and yeah. It, he said basically this was going to show people kind of what to expect, where our old fans will know that we hadn't changed, mm-hmm. but that we had become more comfortable with our sound, which allows us to get new fans. So it's sort of like a stepping stone, he that said. totally from one makes to sense. Next. Honestly, that might help me in the future listening to this song again, yeah. just knowing that. Yeah, but yeah, the... I fucking love that so much. Oh, yeah. Every time I'm like, down, yes, I'm like, God, I can't wait. Too yeah. good. I almost ran a red on the way here. Listening to that. <laughs> just with that song, going. I was like, oh, you hear the do do do. Your foot just slowly starts moving down on the gas. Yeah, You're exactly. like, I'm not stopping. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, I don't really, I don't have too much more to say. This song is an amazing chorus, an amazing breakdown, and I think yeah. that that's good. It still, it still is worth its weight in gold on this album. I think. Yeah, it just isn't a standout for me compared to how the rest of this album is. What's our homesick line on this one? I'm gonna call this one mid. But it's yeah, like a I powerful mid. I think, yeah, I think a reluctant mid or a powerful mid for me because yeah. I don't want to put it there. Right. Um, I think, honestly, I don't believe that everything you've known about me is gone forever. And I won't forget the days that we spent forever. It haunts me. Oh, yeah. That's the, the chorus. That's you know what I mean? I think yeah. that's perfect because it really does give like the maybe like in my mind, he's having a conversation with somebody when he gets home. That's like, oh, you've changed since you've been out there. Oh, of course. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's a great chorus. It's, it's undeniable. Right. Yeah, so I think that's my homesick line for this album. Speaking of homesick, we are getting to the title track of this album, which is Homesick. Boom. I fucking Here love this are. song arrived. so much. So do I. I fucking absolutely love it. I love it a lot. Um, And yeah, man, it's... Oh, fuck. This is another song that just like breaks my heart mm-hmm. in such a good oh, way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is a heartbreaker for it me, too. It is, dude. But it also, like... It's heartbreaking, but it's also... What's the word I'm looking for here? It's almost like it's confident in, I guess, the lyrics specifically that come to mind when I'm trying to explain what I'm trying to explain here is um, we, uh, hey, mom, I wrote you some soft songs and tell dad I'm just fine. We had to choose. We made our moves. It's like I'm sad that, you know, we're missing time together, whatever, but we had to do this now if it was ever going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, that's that's really this whole song to me. And it. It just being a kid that like has wanted something like this his whole life. Yeah. This song, I just like, I, it's like I'm feeling something that I couldn't possibly have related to yet. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, this song will always, again, such a good option for the title track song. 
because it it so clearly is talking and about homesickness and it just oh fuck yeah i'm i'm like losing words for this song this will always be one of my favorites not only from this album but from this band as a whole i fucking Absolutely. love this song me too me too and i think everybody who is in the metal scene at all really kind of appreciates the hey mom i wrote you some soft songs because i'm sure everybody's <laughs> mother who yeah. you know has tried to you know made make their move into like you know being a metal fan at least if you know i mean okay i'm not going to say this globally but I think that it's very common among mothers to be like, what is this noise? Yeah. And then you're no, like, you used to sing. Imagine writing songs. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then having to be like, my mom's disappointed in me yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it, it has kind of that like relatability, but also it has that really tender kind of like, wow. Yeah. I can imagine like having to move away from your whole family, all these people that supported you and kind of got you where you are. And then you have to be like, Hey, I'm going to be gone for who knows how long. Yeah. Uh, and things aren't going to be the same after that either. So it's, it goes back to what you're talking about, not yeah. being able to really come home the same way, like of course. even to your family. It's almost, it's like, it's, it's almost a permanent goodbye in a way. And it, it, this right. song, man, it, it really makes me emotional. Like this is another one of those songs that's sad, that doesn't rub me the, I, not rub me the wrong way, but that I, I don't have an aversion to it. It's just like, fuck man. Like there's so much lyrically here that just resonates so hard with me. It makes it so hard not to like, just break down sobbing listening yeah. to this song because you feel the longing and you feel the, like I said, it's almost like a permanent goodbye. It feels like a permanent goodbye. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at this point, I mean, I'm sure when they wrote this, they didn't fucking know. They didn't know what was about to happen for them. And like, they just knew they were going to have to keep doing what they were doing. They didn't know if this was going to resonate, if this was going to you know, be the album that finally broke them out like it did. And God, man, yeah, it's just... Fuck. Like, that's that's all I can say, dude. It's just yeah. fuck. This this song I, hurts. I was thinking of the line it says, It must make you so nervous. Yeah. Why does everything go wrong? And dude, yeah, it gets me every time. I really want to know what exactly that is supposed to encapsulate for the band or for Jeremy McKinnon because like it we can make it into whatever it resonates yeah. with us as or what we can interpret it to be, but I really, really, really wonder specifically those two lines like what that meant to him all i can do is speculate but it's like from everything that you're kind of telling me about what he said well he said his dad this. was always worried about him of course like always concerned and so it makes sense he says tell dad i'm just fine yeah. maybe that was a reference to like why does everything go wrong like every time there's this a roadblock or something of that's course, yeah. concerning like, and then the why does this make me so nervous that could be like you know i gotta imagine it's a little bit terrifying going on the road every single time moving sure. away from home and well, i thought it was it must make you so nervous so no it's um what is it it's um I'm now we gotta go and why does this make me so nervous? Why does everything oh, go wrong? Which I think that changes things. Yeah, and I think it I think what it means, at least again, all I can do is speculate. I'm not Jeremy McKinnon, I'm not friends with him, I can't say anything I thought you were for him. him. I fucking wish, dude. I would never stop talking to this man. It's the same thing <laughs> with most of these people I listen to. I just want to know. Like I want to hear from the like from the horse's mouth right, yeah. what these things are about. But my best speculation is that it's like, you know, leaving like leaving everything behind to go on the road for, you yeah. know, a job that may not be there for you. You, well, know, you know what I mean? Or it's, it's, it's funny that I was just kind of talking about this with uh, my partner, Abigail, cause we were on our way back from Seattle. Yeah. And I, as I told you, I was going through the, the Taylor Swift discog discography uh, yeah. one by one because um, I've never listened to them chronologically. And uh, I hadn't listened to some of them ever, 
but there was one track that we were listening to and now I'm a piece of shit. I'm going to forget what it was, but, um, it was, you know, something about industry dynamics and like, you mm-hmm. know what you're, Oh, the lucky one. Mm. It was called the lucky one or uh, the lucky ones or you're the lucky one. And she was writing about like people telling her that she should be happier. She's so lucky, you know, your names and lights and all this, you know, that basically the draw of celebrity and what everybody thinks it would be or in the song, uh, light on by Maggie Rogers, mm-hmm. That apparently was about her kind of coming into fame and then being like terrified and thinking like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, there's so much pressure. Yeah. Like, I love music, but everybody's saying, you you must be so happy now that you're famous and everything, but there's so much that comes with it. People don't understand. Yeah. And I think that's probably the same here. Where you're saying like, why does this make me so nervous? Like, I've got the chance to achieve everything that I've ever wanted, but I'm acutely aware of what I'm giving up. Yeah. In accepting that. That's a really hard thing, I think, for people to really comprehend when it they is. haven't been faced with that kind of a decision. I think it ties back to kind of what we were discussing with people like Chester Bennington and, you know, so many musicians that we've lost. Like, it's it's just, yeah, like, you you see the outside, you see the glitch, you see the glamour, you see the fame, and you think that'd be the best thing in the world. But mm-hmm. you really, and it's it's a constant, with especially within, my, my experience is mainly rock and metal. You hear it a lot. You hear, like, you know, like, what the like you have no idea what the cost is what we're giving up you know right. what i mean like a, in context of like people like you and i that have you know people at home mm-hmm. right like as much as i want this coming into you know this relationship that i have with my fiance hannah the idea of leaving her or my family for months and months at a time not knowing when i'm going to be home like that is yeah. genuinely the most terrifying thing. Yeah, my me. parakeet would be a mess. Yeah, your parakeet. That's so sweet. It's actually Abigail's parakeet, but and, you know, I'm the adoptive, you know, family member. That is so. exactly how I feel about Isla. Oh uh, yeah, there yeah, you go. I love her. So you death. know how it is. Yeah, and it's 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 just so genuinely terrifying. Like, oh god, yeah. This anybody who's obviously still listening to this point, go listen to this song and really just resonate for a minute and take a moment to think in the shoes of somebody in the position that they are any musician anybody's in and just really try to understand that for a minute. You know what I mean? A lot of people, especially to anybody who doesn't understand why, you know, somebody in the position they're in somebody, you know, that's a very famous, whatever would take their own life just for a minute. Try to understand what you're losing in exchange for your dreams, you know what I mean? And just really try to hone in on that and resonate with that for a minute. And I think that you'll get a better understanding of, of the world of entertainment, specifically music. And, you know, maybe, maybe it'll open up your eyes a little bit and you'll kind of see a little bit more of where these people are coming from. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's all I can really say about this song. Is there anything left you want to say about this one? I thought there was, but if there was, it's now gone from my mind. (laughs) No problem. Uh, this song to me is... Oh, a, wait, no, I do oh, know. Go ahead. Sorry, I want to do... No, no, a, no, go ahead. Please get it out. I've thought about this a lot because I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the nature of fame and like, is it worth it? Is it not? Yeah. Not that I've ever been given the option. No, no, but, but... you know, really thinking about it and thinking like, imagine you were, right, most successful entertainment artist. You have infinite money, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and you have your mansion on the beach and you have all the things you could ever want and you can't really go into public because it's a shit show and everybody's taking pictures of you, you have no mm-hmm. privacy. So you spend your whole day like going around in your helicopter, you swim in your pool, you have some people over for a massive party, 
not really sure if any of them are your real friends. Uh, you know, that gets cleaned up. You maybe, you know, use all your fancy equipment to hang out and entertain yourself or whatever. Go out to a club, pop some bottles, dance. And then at the end of all that, when you've kind of used up all of the great things that come with fame, the kind of material success, like what is it that you really, really want? And I think it's easy to say everybody wants to be loved, and that's true. But I think, you know, if it were me, at the end of the day, past all that fame, I would want something authentic, an authentic human connection, you know? I would want to open up some Sprite, eat some Hot Pockets, and just play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater with my friends. You know? The free stuff. Well, essentially free. Just the companionship of somebody you know is is a real person in your life. And Mm -hmm. you kind of, you definitely lose that at a certain level. Um, and, I would imagine. And yeah, never knowing if you're going to have real connections again. It's got to be fucking terrifying. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, this is, this is, I think, the song on the album for me. As much as I said, NJ, Legion, Ice-T, you know, could be my favorite. I think this might be, at least, if not number one, it's in my top three of this album. They, this song really hits me where I live. And I, yeah. for that reason, I have to say that this song is a monumental hit for me. Yeah, I think that this is uh, absolutely a hit. I think it's a it's a bona fide hit. Yeah, and I think it could be my favorite if there weren't other tracks that felt so resonant with me particularly. Of course. And so moving on to holding it down for the underground, where we, it's funny you just brought this up at the end, right? The authentic human connection. This song, and I feel like the last few songs really hone in on the what we're giving up portion of fame, right? Yeah. In this one, there's a specific part in the chorus where he says, oh, God, let's go back, let's go back to a time where I still felt I had a family. Dude, that is hard. It's heavy. And that's, this is another, I keep saying this about so many songs on this album, but I, I can't deny it. This album is good, and it's good for a reason. This song in particular really, again, just hits me. These last few songs do, which is crazy, because I'm not a huge sad song dude but i'm also a huge lyric dude so regardless of the vibe of the song i'm always analyzing the lyrics and what's being said how it's being said and you know and this song is is fuck man like it's really you're getting the first glimpse of like what we were just discussing really and what i said at the beginning of this what you're giving up for the cost of success Uh uh-huh yeah and and this is actually a perfect example because once again i'm not sure if you know this but as told by himself McKinnon said that this song was about when he was on the road and he had two very close family members pass away. Oh, fuck. So he couldn't be at their funerals, either one of them. Yeah. So they went underground without him ever seeing them again. And uh, he said that this was sort of his healing process, kind of writing this song and trying to say, you know, just basically let out all of the, the sort of processing he had to do about that, you know, saying once again, you know, You've achieved everything you want, and that means that you literally never know the last time you're going to see somebody, and you can't just put everything on the back burner to go bury them. Fuck. You know? Oh, man. And that's, and that's existential. That is. You know, it's not just like, oh, I missed my kid's birthday. No, I, I don't have kids, and I don't want to have kids, and yeah. I don't really like kids. So this is not really fair for me no, to be like, oh, it's I not something as mean. simple. You know, it's... But, yeah, like, you're literally losing, like, losing somebody, and you're not there. Right. You know what I mean? And what if that's your parent? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 
it doesn't change when it's your family member necessarily. I mean, sure, you do it to an extent must be able to call your own shots and say like, look, my my parents are ill and I'm not going to complete this tour. Like, I'm sure that's something that you can do mm-hmm. depending, but that's still, you know, it's like, Jesus, even having to think about it, it's crazy. It's heavy. I actually never knew that that was what the, honestly, for me, it's so crazy. Again, just talking about what music means to you, what this honestly meant to me is so vastly different coming up in the life that I had. Um, there was a very definite switch in my childhood. It's like, you know, my life that I lived and this is the life that I have now, you know? Uh, and that's kind of what this song is, was for me, right? The lyrics, you know, uh, let's go back to a time where I felt I had a family. What that meant to me, it's God, it's so crazy how vastly different it is, but just it, again, it goes back to show how good of a lyricist Jeremy McKinnon is to write something so personal to him that is so vague that it connects it can connect to anybody else right for a, a time it really felt like my family was disintegrated like there was right. no bringing it back almost you know a loss within itself it was almost like there was never going to be that support system that a family is to me and that's what this song means to me yeah and god man i just couldn't imagine you know like it's all these things that you just again you just don't think about when you you know either if you're in our shoes where you dream about being a successful musician or you're somebody just listening on the radio, you never imagine these things. You right. know what I mean? And it's just, God, man, like, fuck, I just want to give the guy a hug. Oh like, yeah. God damn, man. I, I can't imagine getting that phone call and knowing like that, that feeling like that you're on the road and you know, like I can't, I can't leave, especially in Jeremy McKinnon's shoes, being the front man of a band and knowing like, if I go, it's done. Like, and dude, I had to turn down a wedding invitation for my cousin, who I barely even talked to, and yeah. I was having anxiety. I can. I actually have a written letter right here that I'm. I have to mail because I didn't feel good RSVPing online and yeah. saying I'm declining because I have to work. I had to write out a whole thing because I was so anxious, and that's just for a wedding of yeah. a person I barely know. I couldn't fucking imagine having to tell your family that you can't come. Right? Yeah. You know just that I mean? knowing, like, I can't be there, and then you know, I mean there are tons of people who wouldn't understand it either because they don't understand the intricacies of that kind of a, a life. You know, they can say, Oh, what you can't give up, you know, playing some songs to come, you know, be at the funeral of this person in your life. Like that could very well be the end for that group. You know what I mean? Like precisely all of whatever it is, you know what I mean? The stress of like, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, monetarily based or, you know, anything 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 like it, it's it's such a tough decision to make and yeah again it's another decision that people just won't understand right and that's oh, well wow. then you have to live with it you have to say like well i suppose i could have i could have put everything aside and been there that's the toughest part for me is and the, i chose to back. do this because i had no idea if this would be the end of the band and my career if i went to be at those things mm-hmm. you know or maybe it's completely against contract and then you're getting sued mm-hmm. right which is like that's not only adding like and then the you have of four other people but yeah in your you, band you've got not only yourself to think about you've got right. four other people or however precisely many people are in your band so yeah fuck man this song's heavy again this is another one that i really just want people anybody who's listening to go and listen to this song and really kind of the last few songs in this album do this really well just sit down listen and try to put yourself in the shoes of these people that you're listening to for a minute. You know what I mean? And really understand that we're all human and that we all go through things. You know what I mean? And sometimes the toughest decisions that you have to make, like 
they aren't just something that you can make a decision on and forget. These are decisions that you're going to be stuck with for the rest of your fucking life. So, you know, spend time thinking about that, please. Anything more you want to say, or is that it for you on this one? No, that's it. I think uh, for me, holding it down for the underground, this song, fuck, man. Like, I have, I'm have, i going to call it a no-words hit, because after learning about the story behind it, it's just, that's too much for words, man. Like, I yeah. can't. Oh, and the homesick line in that one would be the, um, it says, every time I come home, it feels like a part of me is not there, or something uh, to that yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, I think you're pretty much right on. Yeah, it's, uh, some part of me isn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so there yeah. you go. Uh, moving on? Moving on to, you already know what you are. Now, this one is actually one that I've spent the least time with on this album, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what it's about, so I'm actually very curious to hear from you what this is. Yeah, so... Uh, do you want the exact quote here? Yes, might please. Be more clarifying. Um, so when I first, when I first, uh, I'm not reading the quote right now, but when I first saw that the title of this song, I thought it was like accusatory, like, yeah. "Well, you already know what you are, right?" Like, um, but reading this meaning actually turned it around for me. So it says, "When we started out, and even up through a few years ago, people told us mixing genres like we do would never work." We didn't care. We weren't doing it for anyone other than ourselves. We wanted to hear a pop punk band playing mosh parts. We were from a town that loved both, and it just seemed right to us. It's funny because the same people who used to tell us we couldn't do anything with this band are the ones asking us for help now. So now, in my mind, when I read You Already Know What You Are, to me it's more uplifting. It's like, you already know what you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Don't try to be anything other than yourself. And if somebody says your art sucks and you have to change it fundamentally to make it more commercially successful, you just fucking tell them to fuck off because you have to do things for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, obviously art to an extent is only art if it's able to be appreciated, Of course, but you have to also appreciate it yourself. You have to have an internal reason for doing it. I think that's the first thing. And you know what? It's funny that this is the song I've spent the least amount of time with because in our small circle, our small scene, this is something that I know you know we've dealt with oh, a yeah. lot. We've been told from the beginning that we're doing stuff wrong. We're not doing things the right way. You know, we need to do things this way if we're gonna. You know, and gang vocals are corny. I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know all. anything about the scene, but yeah. it's like, does it matter? It doesn't at all to me, and that's kind of the whole point of this. And you see it within every new like, uh, new what's the word I'm looking for? Generation of music that comes up. Yeah. They always take things from the past. You know what I mean? Right. And make it brand new. And I think in our case specifically, like that's something we're doing a lot on this album is gang yeah. vocals because I was like, I'm not being told what I can and can't do anymore. No, this is, totally. This is our art and we're going to do what we want to do with it. So that's funny that, that that's, this is the song I spent the least amount of time with. Yeah. And it's one of the things that has frustrated me the most about being in a band and doing this on the small scale that we have, which is so funny because the minute we released and the minute, that we came out and we played the show that we did. And this is not to toot our own horn too much. I, I want to say that like none of it would have been possible if it wasn't for like, you know, the help that we received the, you know, the, the wherewithal that we had to get through the things that we had to go through sure. and the work and effort that we put in ourselves. But we had people coming up to us afterwards that were telling us we were doing things wrong, asking us how we did the things that we did knowing. And it's even more frustrating. Wait, really? We had some, we yes. had some turnarounds yes. at the show. Yes. Who were like, 
Yes. Oh man, that slaps. I won't go into who because I don't want to like put anybody on blast here. I'll tell you afterwards. But like literally, I'm not kidding. Everything that we were told not to do that we did. Yeah. Only got us the like the appreciation that we right. wanted. Well, it's it's so scene. it's so it's such a difficult thing, you know. It's so nebulous, it which is. it's like uh, it's like metagaming, you know. I mean, something becomes so popular that everybody's doing it because it's mm -hmm. successful. And then as soon as something spicy comes out that's different and against the grain, there's initially resistance to it. And then when people find out that they like it because of its novelty, then everybody gets on board with that. And then the cycle just continues. And so there's this sort of, again, a dichotomy mm -hmm. between these groups of people who are like, well, you have to do this because this is what sells or this is what people like. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the group that says, well, I don't really care what people like. I just want to do what I like. And if other people like it, that's great. And I think that's the right place to be. I agree. Um, I want to bring up three things really quick. One, All right. You bringing that up reminds me again. We were talking about this a little bit. I know you haven't checked them out yet, but Sleep Token. Yeah. Band that, that reminds me of. Is that a reference to Magic the Gathering? Because I feel like there are Sleep Tokens. I have no idea. No, there'd be, be Sleep Counters probably. No. But. Probably not. I'm just um, selfish. There's another band that's kind of doing not in the same with the same genres. Yeah, that they did on this album. Uh, Data Member did. But yeah, it sounds eclectic. AF. Sleep Token. It's very like it's new, and it's that brings me to my next point that I want to bring up, which is it's funny that that's the mentality when the only bands that people remember are the ones who did something different. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. All these people that they're like, oh, you need to be like that band, and then mm -hmm. listen and do that are cast down in the wayside. Look at 90% of the metalcore bands that came out from the years of like 2007 to like 2013 yeah. that were just copying like let's say the Attack Attack or Asking Alexandria style. Yeah, and then you're just going to be work. riding somebody's coattails and what you're going to be cast as. And they're gone now. Whereas yeah. bands like A Day to Remember doing what they wanted to do or Bring Me the Horizon, Asking Alexandria, all the big mm -hmm. staple bands in our scene are there because they did what they wanted to do and they stuck with that regardless of the naysaying, regardless of whatever. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny to me that after... However many years that music has continued to evolve and change and that the bands that have led all the evolving and all the changing are the bands that people remember. It's funny to me that people still have the mentality to be like, oh, you need to do it the way that we did it or you need to do it the way that they're doing it in order to succeed. Yeah. And history has shown that that's not the case. Well, you know, it's interesting. It reminds me that there is a third camp and that's people who who try to follow a trend so hard, but aren't in it in their heart. And they end up basically succeeding for a moment and then petering out because mm -hmm. it's not who they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can spend all your time trying to be this or that or the other thing because it's trending. But if you aren't that thing to begin with, it's never going to be sustainable. There's mm -hmm. no staying power in that. No. And so the best is just to be who you already are. Mm -hmm. And then if that resonates with people, great. If it doesn't, of course, yeah, you're going to have to find some way to get by if it's your livelihood. But, you know, you always have to balance art with the acceptance that you may never make anything of yourself in a global way. You may just have to do this for the love of doing it. And that's the best reason to do it in the beginning. I agree. And it's also not to say just being different is going to get you success, right? It's being, there are enough different no. things that people don't like. No, of course. That are never going to succeed. I so think, it's like it, the, the streets filled with uh, starving geniuses. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Like, or the streets are, are filled with starving geniuses. Like there's no guarantee to that. You just basically mm -hmm. have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be happy yeah. with what you're doing. I think that's the most important yeah. thing. The third thing that I want to bring up is actually some of the lyrics here that I'm looking at now that you've mentioned that, that resonate super hard with me. They don't necessarily carry a homesick vibe, which I don't know if this song necessarily um, has a homesick feel to it. 
I, I would say that this maybe is just kind of exactly what he was saying it's about. Um, and that is the lyrics are, don't trust the critic. He's a cynic. Make the call for yourself. This is my 10 step course to not be like everyone else. I know it's not the easiest route and I know it leaves you overflowing with doubt. But if you want it, you can have it. Hope it's all that you dreamt because once you got it, you're going to get it. I won't be leaving this. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it just like it's it's the advice that I've been telling myself and telling. Yeah, honestly, anybody that asks us the same question, it's it's do what you want to do. Do not listen to anybody else, even us, because like people that came up to us and asked us questions, we're still just a local band. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we like. We don't know if we knew if we knew the blueprint to some sort of super success, we'd be doing it every time. Yeah. It's about being yourself and being happy with that at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that's what this song's about. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it, it's funny because there are so many people who say they have a blueprint for success, but it's usually survivorship bias. Of course. You know, like that that sort of like it's it's when you take a massively successful person, you have them do like a commencement speech at a college, and they're like, you know, Albert Einstein dropped out of high school. And it's like I think that just gives a lot of people the idea that if you drop out of high school, you're going to be the next Einstein. But Einstein was redefining quantum physics in high school, so yeah. he didn't really need to be there. No. You're out there smoking weed and waiting for a fight to happen behind the <laughs> McDonald's. Like, that's not the path. Just because you're not there doesn't mean you're going to be where Einstein is. Like, and so, you know, like people like Steve Jobs are like, you know, you just, you know, I didn't, I didn't do all this and that, and you know, I didn't follow a traditional route, and I, and I made it. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's not why. It's, yeah. it's the fact that because you had the capacity to make it you didn't have to take the traditional route so but anyway that's beside the point the, i think yeah i totally agree with what you're saying it's like you just the, the, there's really no reason to do anything if you're not really enjoying it yeah unless it's to fulfill the bottom the bottom tier of maslow's hierarchy of needs where you have food water and shelter right? yeah like you need to work of course you need to have money in this world we live in a society all these things but when it comes down to passion, you can't let people decide what your passion is. No. You can't sell your passion for a paycheck. Of course. I mean, you can, but you have to be happy doing that. Of course. So, yeah. This is That's all it is. I agree. I think this song is kind of viewed in an entirely new light by me now after hearing that. I uh, Currently, I'm still just going to give it like a flat hit. Um, it's, a, it's like a minute and 40 song or whatever. I think the message is super important. Uh, and I think this song has the... Um, the possibility to change in my mind, just listen, yeah. knowing what it means now, which, um, so yeah, I'll just give it a flat hit personally. What do you think? Absolutely flat hit. I yeah. think it's perfect. Uh, I think it, it begs the most important question in art, which is if you never succeed with this, yeah, would you still be doing it? Of course. Right. And I think that, you know, you were apologizing to me for your setup here with this podcast yeah. at the beginning. A little and I was like, dude, there's nothing more punk than this. Yeah. Right. And that's to me, that's what's real. Like that's where pop punk originated and all, you know, punk rock in general just came out of this subculture of people who are like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it and I'm just trying to have fun. And to me, that's what this is. Like, I don't care that the setup is goofy or whatever. I'm like, this is great. We're talking about a great album. We're having a great time. We had coffee. Yeah, we did. You know, we got everything. There's a cat here. There's so, a cat here. I mean, shit, man. Like, I don't care if we were doing this in a studio in LA. I'd prefer this. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. It really yeah. means a lot for you to say so. Like, totally. I starting this, obviously, it was just because, like you were saying, I wanted to do a podcast for so long. And yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, at least 
Uh, not that anybody's been overtly rude or anything. Sure, but yeah. I'm glad that somebody said I that. I could to be. Me. Should I be? No, uh, I mean, do you change the dynamic? Whatever here? your truth is, live it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but okay, you so. <laughs> thanks. Sorry, Kevin. I don't know how to be overtly rude to you. It's okay, buddy. I appreciate you. Um, next is another song about the weekend. This is another one of my favorites. This is my actual favorite. Is it? Yeah. That's crazy. I actually really appreciate that. I'll, uh, I think my favorite, honestly, is the one of my favorites is the acoustic version of this song, funnily enough, which we'll get there. Yes, we will. But I think this song, again, like you could take any lyric out of this to be the homesick lyric of this song. Absolutely. Yes, this song is amazing. Yeah, and, and I think I mentioned this briefly at the beginning, but the uh, idea behind this song is that it's about the pull, the, the bi-directional pull of life on the road, which yeah. is when you're home, you miss the road. Yeah. And when you're on the road, you miss your home. And um, the fact that you kind of get addicted to whatever is not there. And it's the human tendency to see the grass as greener on the other side, mm -hmm. no matter how many times you go back and forth. For me, that's been so true in my life. I mean, the closest relationship I have to the themes on this album was like going off to college. Mm -hmm. I'd finally made like this group of friends in the competitive Magic the Gathering scene and I had this really tight knit group. Loved them all. Had to go to college. Kind of fucked off for four years. Came back and found out everything had changed and my friends weren't friends with each other anymore and I couldn't really be friends with them anymore. It's always tough. Yeah, and it was tough and it was like I redefined my hometown and then I've been back and forth between Seattle living there in periods since and yeah. uh, every time there's something a little bit different and this time coming back, you know, some of my best friends uh, have had big life changes that make them kind of unaccessible to the way that we used to hang out, of course, which was all the time. So, yeah, even now, you know, it's still going on. It's and, tough, man. And you kind of have to balance things out. But, yeah, like and, it's, and being an entertainer, you know, if you get to that level of success, that's sort of the thing you have to deal with on a large mass scale. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the, those kind of feelings. That's exactly how this song makes me feel. And um, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny that you bring up like you know that, the, the specifically the part about people having big life changes and not being able to get together. What this band has really become for me uh, is a way to stay connected to the people that I love because oh, yeah? I don't know where we would all be if it wasn't the case. You know what I mean? If we didn't have something to get us together every week. Yeah. And. I I am so grateful for that. You know what I mean? Because it, it really keeps me involved with the people that I want to stay involved with. Absolutely. You know? But I, I know the feeling of like coming back and realizing everything's fucking different. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's something that Lee and I talk about a lot too is just how different things are now versus where we were when Lee first moved here and we were in yeah. his the basement of his apartment that he had just right. hoping to God that we could do this one day. You know for sure. I mean? And now we're here. We both are in very serious relationships. We don't see each other as much. And, uh, you know, we've got more responsibilities, what have you. It's just like, yeah, it's 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 a heavy feeling that it, it's not always bad. No. But it's it's heavy, you yeah. know. And I think this song really is the mirror image of that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, I think at this point in my life, I'm fairly fulfilled in kind of both these areas of like my life in a, in a, in a town, in a place, mm -hmm. you know, the place that I am and then life outside of that place. Of course. And you want to know something really funny is that bird watching has kind of brought that around because I use like Abigail and I, we love watching birds, mm -hmm. just seeing different species, writing them down on our little list. 
identifying them by sound. You can walk outside and actually like hear a bunch of stuff and you're like, wow, this means something to me. Mm -hmm. But we use it as an excuse to travel, right? You look at a range map for a specific bird you want to see, like a snowy owl or mm -hmm. something, very hard to find. Yeah. You can be like, you know what? I'm taking a week long trip to this place trying to find a snowy owl. Yeah. It's like a little quest, you know, yeah. it's great. And you can travel, you can go a place. And then, uh, you know, when you've finished giving up looking for a, a bird, you can come home and it's nice to come back. And so it's funny, like the, that balance of like life on the road and kind of the romanticism of that, you can find it in these little kind of ways I agree. that aren't touring with a band, but granted touring with a band is fucking sick. Yeah. So it's, it's also it's, great. It's kind of what I've been coming to terms with, you know, like as a kid, my dream was always like this, this, I guess the, the mentality I had was this means nothing to me if there's not, you know what I mean? The end goal, like the commercial going. success. Yeah. It's not even the commercial part of it, really, to be honest with you. It's just going and playing my music for as many people as possible. Yeah. The money, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Right. It's just being. Oh, you're talking about the live kind of like. It's putting my music yeah. out there to the world. Get doing for people what all of these bands did for me. Of course. Which yeah. is to help. You know what I right. mean? Whatever it is. If if I can. And this this is still kind of the pure thing that I hold on to, right? Is if I can help at least one person, then it was all worth it. Yeah. You know, that's that's my goal here. But I've kind of started to also kind of come to terms with the fact that if this band never takes off, I'm still happy. You know yeah. what I mean? I've got a fiance who loves me. I've got a house with that woman and I've got my own little family here. I've got my friends. I've got, you know, I'm and I'm doing something that I love with my friends who I love and we're all doing something that we love together and that's yeah. that's really what matters to me at the end of the day. You, you know, it it's funny this comes to mind, but I just saw a quote from Miley Cyrus recently mm -hmm. uh, that she was saying something about not wanting to perform big shows anymore in arenas, mm -hmm. like she's refusing to do it. And she was saying that the reason is because there's no connection. Of course. And so it's also a nice reminder to think past a certain point, sharing with people, you know, it's only so much if there's such a barrier such a fourth wall from that stage that you don't even get to interact with these people you know i mean it's it's flattering but what do you how do you really want to connect of course and i face that in other entertainment kind of areas being like well what do i really want to do mm -hmm. and i find that the best way is if you can be as close as possible with people and really get to know them and even converse with them in the course of a show or performance anything to make you feel that much more connected i think is really where it's at for me personally and so i mean it's easy to be like well well you know i don't want to be famous it's nice to not to want to be yeah, famous yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's easy to just say that but i think when you really think about it uh there are definite benefits to sort of knowing what you really want of course and not just what you're supposed to want or what's attractive of course so and another song about the weekend i mean it's just great it's it to me it's everything that pop punk is to me mm -hmm. it expresses all the feelings of you know homesickness of missing people of just wanting to have to me it brings up that feeling of nostalgia for the days when you know there was just free time it's like summer's off of course you know where you're like all right i'm coming over of course yeah you know get the xbox ready or whatever the hell exactly oh yeah, yeah like it's and i agree i yeah this song is something special too along with the rest of this album and i think that's kind of why this discussion has gone from you know being uh, some of the other ones that are like you know hey uh, um, like oh this chorus is really great this verse is really great this song in particular holds a very special place for being I guess yeah just holding a really 
good vibe. Same with the album at large. I guess, geez, I can't even think about what I'm trying to say here. Sorry, guys. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what this album is to me is it's almost like it's it's given me a broader perspective of not only music in general, but what I want in my own life. And right. I think that that's super. It's un. It's unmatched in its ability to do that. There's not another album that I can find that really gives me that sort of internal reflection as this album does. Yeah. Yeah. And from a rhythm guitar perspective, this mm -hmm. specific song, another song about the weekend, I'm like, God, it's tasty. Yeah. It really is. Oh, man, the tone. Yeah. Oh, I can't get over it. It's good. I think that's half the reason that I love the song. It's, it's just, just like that. just hearing the guitars. Um, okay. So, last track. Now, this is a big one. Oh, is that the last track? Really? Wow. If it means a lot Shit, to you. We're there. Yeah. Yeah. This is the final track. Now, I I think we agreed that we can't really get into the acoustic tracks on this. So for the most part, I normally, this is my thing with this album. Normally, I don't really enjoy acoustic tracks. There's not a bad acoustic track on this album for I me. I disagree. Do you? I Do you? don't like the acoustic the rendition acoustic. of another song about the weekend. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. It's not bad. No, it's no, no. just that I think for me, maybe it's just so much that that what I look for in this specific band in the genre, mm -hmm. you know what it is? I'm just realizing this now, but I just said it. It's the it's the tone. I'm so addicted to the tone of those guitars <laughs> that when <laughs> I hear just... a steel string guitar, it's just like I mean, my life exists sometimes in a little in a liminal space between nylon strings and you know heavily. Uh, what is the word? Heavily nuanced electric tones. Yeah. Steel string for me just reminds me of the, uh, the unfortunate time I had to study bluegrass from ages nine to 12. And, uh, it was, you know, for me, it's kind of like that, you know, I mean yeah. like man, a constant sorrow is a song that has to be on a steel string guitar, but yeah. outside of stuff like that and kind of like some indie <sighs> folk stuff, Speaking of which, that fucking steel song, string I just watched that movie me. for the first time. Oh yeah. It's great. Oh, huh? God, it's so good. Yes. Ah, really good. But okay. So yeah, I, I guess I will, I'll, I'll agree with you. There. I think it's that. I think for me, it's not the bad. only difference is because that's the version I heard first. Oh, of course. Yeah. So well, then there you go. But for, yeah. if it means a lot to you, this is two like big no, no's for me that weirdly work. Like I don't like super sad songs. I've said this. Right. Yes. I also am not a huge acoustic song fan. Mm -hmm. Both of which this song is. And I fucking love it. Bro, the uh, harmonized acoustic guitars. Mm. Mm. I don't know how to do that right, but they yeah. did it. Like, oh my gosh. And the tone on the acoustic guitars still was also good. I was just talking about um, recently with somebody about uh, how like the kind of uh, mid-2000s like uh, pop country mm -hmm. mix irritates the shit out of me. Like the way that like drums and steel string guitars are mixed on like pop country albums mm -hmm. back in that time it was like, there was something so grating about it. Mm -hmm. And to me, unfortunately, a lot of that carries over into like acoustic songs in general, mm -hmm. the way that a steel string guitar comes across. Um, but it doesn't happen here. And with the, with the harmonizing, keeping the same style that they always play with, but then just, strictly taking it straight over to acoustic guitars mm -hmm. and not trying to change the the characteristics of it in any way i think is what really actually benefited yeah these tracks or this track specifically. i agree i agree with you um yeah man uh to bring it back to kind of what we were discussing before this is like to me in my life this would be the ultimate loss 
in the you know the the quest for fame or whatever the hell you want to call it right like right. we were talking about what you give up for the cost of fame this would be the ultimate for me is losing hannah my fiance yeah you know what i mean and that's what this is is it's about at least i think it is at least that's the way i've always looked at it let's uh let's consult the the but way the way back machine interview. the way that i look at it but uh while he's pulling that up is sure. um that yeah like it's it's i mean quite literally the lyrics right like um Hey, darling, I know you're good. To, I hope you're good tonight, and I know you don't feel right that I'm leaving. Yeah, I want it, but no, I don't need it. Yeah. Tell me something sweet to get me by because I can't come back home till they're singing. Right. And then, you know, the the laws that come in. But it's just like, it really, like, it's funny how we started talking about this song, this idea about five times back, right? Like, whatever it is, uh, whatever fame means for you, it's nothing in comparison for what you're going to have to give up. Yeah. And... Oh God. Yeah. This, this song just, it hits me again. It hits me where I live because being somebody who on this, like I, again, I'm no successful musician, but like I can feel that I can feel the, like the lines. I can't come home till they're basically till they're singing along. Right. You know what I mean? Till they know us, till they know what we're about, till they, you know, till we're famous, till we have our dream achieved. And it's just, fuck, it just hurts. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, with, uh, Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, the, answer from jeremy on this one says this song took me the longest to write it took almost a year but it was another song that kind of stumped me i really needed this song to say exactly what i wanted and i finally got it there we didn't know if it would be on the record right up until the end of recording i wrote it separate from separate from the band and i wasn't comfortable changing things it all worked out in the end though i think it's the perfect end to this record i agree yeah and it's almost like it's it's Again, it goes to show like this that just where they were in this time, especially obviously in context of the song Jeremy McKinnon, just like the God, the 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 desperation to achieve your dreams at the cost of absolutely everything. Like, yeah, that really comes through on this song. You're basically the way that I look at it is losing the love of your life. It's like, you know, it's your dream that you want, your career that you want and the love of your life. And that's such a delicate dance. I can't imagine having to choose. There's a magic card called Choice of Damnations. Yeah. And that, I think, is an apt phrase for this kind of thing, where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, exactly. two decisions that are essentially, you know, so important to you, each mm -hmm. one, and you have to choose between the two. I think in the magic card, it's like a uh, target opponent chooses a number, right? So let's say you choose a number, right? Mm -hmm. Just choose a number right now. Uh, four. Four. So then based on what they choose, you get the choice of to whether they have to lose that much life or sacrifice all except that many permanents on oh. their field. So basically they have to give up all the cards in their field except for four, uh -huh. which they'd pretty much have to keep basic lands because yeah. you have to have land. Or, you know, if they choose an extremely high number, they just get tanked yeah. for that much life. And it's oh, like, God damn. So sorry to reduce it to a magic card. No, no, it's a good But example. it's great. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's that, that's the feeling, right? Do you want to lose one love of your life or the other one. Exactly. Uh, and that's, ugh, man, how do you have the two at once? Or, you know, try to toe the line between the two. Of course. And that's what most people do somehow. Yeah. And I have no idea. I think idea. it takes an insane amount of strength from not only the, yeah. I think especially from the person that's left home, whoever mm -hmm. that is. And you on, know it, what I mean? You know, it's like, shockingly, that's probably the decision that is the hardest or I mean the, the the choice that is the hardest if you make that choice to to balance the two, I mean that can be even worse than 
losing the one or losing the other. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say it, but that's true in a lot of cases in life where you're stuck in those decisions. Trying to actually have both is the worst thing you can do because then you're at the most risk of losing both. Yeah. Oh, man. It's tough, Oof. dude. This song genuinely brings me to tears almost every single time I listen to it. That's yeah. not an exaggeration. It's just, it's it's the bridge. Every time it's the bridge. It gives me goosebumps. Oh, yeah. Um, the harmonizing at the end. Oh, oh fuck. It's, it's, you know, you can't give me what I need. And even though you mean so much to me, I can't wait through everything, which is a, you know, a direct just juxtaposition to what sure. he's saying in the chorus. Right. If you can wait till I get home, it's her responding yeah. saying, I can't wait through everything. Jeremy McKinnon comes back in and says, is this really happening? Yeah. I swear I'll never be happy again. And don't you dare say we can just be friends. I'm not some boy that you can sway. And then it's just like, fuck the last line dude really chokes me up every time but it's we knew it had happened eventually right yeah and then it's oh god man the way the band all comes in and not only are the band coming in but then it's like it's almost hopeful because you hear the gang vocals come in on the laws on this part yeah the whole point of the song you know i can't come home till they're singing law everybody comes in on that part and it switches to now everybody's singing you know and it, it keeps going and it's just like it's it's basically at this point I'm assuming hoping for the best because you've had to make probably one of the toughest situations in your life or toughest decisions in your life. And it's just like I really like I hope to God this was the right choice. That's the idea that I get from this song. Yeah. The song is huge, obviously, and I think that there's a huge like there's a reason for that. It is one of, if not the most emotional, I would say the most emotional song to come out of our scene. Just because I don't I don't know what it is because, you know, there's there's subjects in songs about death, about, you know, whatever it is, even in this album out of our scene. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. I I would almost say so, because this yeah. this song, it's the energy of it. It, it you feel it in his mm-hmm. performance and everything. It just feels so sad. Like it just it's so heartbroken. It's so defeated. And it's like to leave the album on this. It's the perfect way to end the album. I agree with what he said, but it's also like, fuck, like this is where we are now. You know what I mean? This is what we're left with. And look thematically and from a production perspective on the album, I mean, what did we just spend the beginning of this podcast talking about? How the gang vocals came in and what they meant and how it was really this sort of like everybody's having a great time and then boom, you end on these gang vocals that are like, the exact opposite. The exact almost. opposite. And it's sort of this expression of like, I mean, I just, I may be losing everything that I actually, that actually does mean everything to me in my life mm-hmm. so that I can keep, you know, the possibility the, the alive possibility, of this even right, happening. To keep this music that's what into the world. Out. And then you're relying on these other people in your band. And that's yeah. sort of like what the, I feel like the gang vocals come in as, as if to like a trust fall. Yeah. Cause that's really what this is at this point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's obvious that the decision was made. It really is. And it's like, you're really just like, that's the thing is it's ending on hope. Like, yeah. Really. That's what this album ends on is the hope that, you know, uh, not to be corny and just quote the lyrics, but the hope that everybody will be singing along and that everybody, everything that you've sacrificed is worth something in the end. That's what this album is ending on is hope. And I think that might be, just the perfect ending to this because we've talked a lot about you know probably where these people were at this point they didn't know they didn't know if this was going to happen for them they just knew that all of these tough decisions 
all of these roadblocks, as you keep saying, kept coming and coming and coming, and they kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And at the end of the day, even when this album came out, something that in hindsight is such a staple in our scene, they had absolutely no fucking idea if it was going to, in the grand scheme of things, mean anything to anybody except themselves. Yeah. You know? And that's a huge, that's a huge trust fall, as you said, that's a huge leap of faith. Yeah. Well, and as we can see, I mean, just between you and me, we're two not so special examples of mm-hmm. exactly what this album meant to us, to to a lot of people that listened to it, mm-hmm. and to the scene as a whole. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I mean, I'm glad that for the sacrifice that they all had to make, There's something so many people can benefit from it. Of course. You know, the yeah. good of the the good of the whole. But I think this is, yeah, a good place to end it. But but as one last little little taste of a, an Easter egg, um, how much do you know about the cover art of this album? Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, there's so signs. Really cool. Yeah. On the middle of the album. Yeah. You can tell that you can't read them. Mm-hmm. They're coded. What they, do you mean? They actually do say something. Now, this is technically a fan theory, but it checks out perfectly. Okay. And. Uh, I think it is supported by the evidence. Um, those signs actually do say something, mm-hmm. and I'm going to leave you and whoever's listening to this to go investigate that. I'm going to have to do that. Or yeah. you're just going to have to tell me as soon as we cut this. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, we're, we've been going for over two hours, so yeah, we we're gotta just going to skip those here. last two songs. Basically, I'll just say they're enjoyable. You know what I mean? I like the full version of Homesick better, I will say. And I, oh, before I get too fucking ahead of myself, um, perfect hit. For if it means a lot to you, I think. You know what? Hmm. I'm gonna have to go, and this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a hot take. And you're gonna leave this at the end of the podcast too, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, this is gonna be too hot. Oh no, I'm gonna have to say, yeah, it's a high mid, and this is the reason. Oh, this is the no, reason. Cameron. And this is this is gonna be the worst part, right? As yeah. if that's not bad enough, the reason is so uh, is so stupid. It's because. Jeremy McKinnon has Tom DeLonge syndrome. Oh my God. No, don't tell me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's because if he just hadn't put so much stank on the laws, (laughs) it would have been perfect. But I just, I, I, I get disconnected, right? It pulls me out because I'm like chuckling to myself and I can't help it because I'm like, is that, that can't be how you say that. Yeah. And it just throws me out. Right. And then I got to come back in. I got to get reinvested. Yeah. Uh, So. I know it's such a God stupid damn, little thing, yeah, but just, that's me. It's all good. I respect it, buddy. You know, your opinion is your opinion. So one last Well, don't thing get me started on a bench sevenfold because now uh, we're dude, gonna have to talk about that. I'm gonna someday. make you sit down and do an event oh, no. with me. But um no, so I guess and the last thing that we'll do is would you rank this, and I guess it's gonna be an easy question for you, in your top three albums from this band? <laughs> like <laughs> Of course that's an easy yeah. an easy question for me. I've only listened to three. Yeah. Uh yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it's I, at the top. I'd put this in the number two spot. I still yeah. really love Common Courtesy a lot. I have a whole new appreciation for this album, having sat down and talked with you about it. But I, uh, yeah, I'll put that in number two. Sorry to rush out of here, guys, but literally we are two hours. Well, it's hardly podcast. a rush. Yeah. yeah. And so, I'm late for dinner and oh, a mountain no. bike ride. So. All right. So we are going to get him out of here. Buddy, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this with me. Dude, it's such a pleasure. I had a lot of fun and I can't wait to get you on for another one. Dude, I would love to be on for another one. Of That'd course. be great. Yeah. yeah. All righty, buddy. Thank you so much. I'll bring a, I'll bring a spicy album that that I've maybe even never listened to. Ooh, is that okay? Yeah, dude, dude. Because you were saying anything. like you want stuff like you it's been bangers only. Yeah. So it may be good to like look at one that we've never even seen 100%. or like that we only listened to once. I agree. Or like maybe only listen to for one week. Solid, I'm right? 100% down with that. Yeah. yeah. Cuz I I need I need to, 
have something that maybe right, yeah. I don't like as much. All right, well then, just yeah, the, the future's bright. Oh, uh, last, uh, sorry, I keep forgetting. Uh, what would you rank this out of 10? I was a 10. It's I mean, 10? Yeah. You, you can't. I think I'm going to go with, not be. yeah, especially after all the discussions we've had, I can't give this anything but a 10, which again, fucking don't sue me. I've rated yeah. almost everything this high. So. Well, and read that Kerrang article. I will. I'm going to have to now. You know, because that, I mean, geez, it was like, it's just a, an absolutely perfect breakdown of the context of that album, yeah. looking back at it and the the kind of the, the effect that it had on on everything. Yeah. So good. Cool. Amazing. All right. Well, okay. Yep. Thank you so much, buddy. Hey, thank you. Uh, of course. Let's get you to dinner in your bike ride. That's right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. That's all we can afford. And once again, everybody, that is the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end if you did. I know this was a super, super long one, but like I said in the beginning, I think it's warranted. You know, this album... Not only is it one of the biggest in our scene, but it has like six of the staples music wise in our scene. Like we talk about that a lot throughout it, I know. But yeah, I just there, there's nothing really that I feel like I can add more to this album than what we, you know, just got done talking about. This was probably my favorite podcast to date. I really do enjoy sitting down and talking to Cameron. He's a very, a very smart dude and talking to him always you know, it's it's always very entertaining. It's always something that I can look forward to. So I had a good time with this one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I am, as I'm recording this, it is currently my birthday. And uh, yeah, so I am going to go and enjoy my birthday. I hope you all enjoy this podcast. And yeah, thank you guys so much once again for making it all the way to the end of these. I know that they're getting longer and longer, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this. So thank you guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye.